Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. What has being annoying stopped you ever? That's an excellent point. (laughs) An excellent point. That's part of the charm. Rich Krage. And I could be, I'm allowed to be a work rate nerd for the G1. I don't, I just want them to have great matches and a wheel and kill themselves. I don't care. It's not my body. I just want to watch great matches. Stop yelling at me. I agree. (laughs) And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what is happening? How are you? You know, when we left everyone following the uh, the Tuesday edition of the flagship, which uh, people can hear exclusively on the five dollar tier on the uh, the flagship Patreon. Uh, three straight Tuesday flagships in a row. By the way, three straight weeks in a row where there was a special. Tuesday edition of the flagship, but uh, when we left the listeners on Tuesday, it appeared that you and I both agreed that the WWE had successfully finessed their way into what looked like was going to be a very successful scenario. They got The Rock versus Roman Reigns as their WrestleMania main event, which The Rock being involved would get them far more media attention than Cody could and would get far more eyeballs on the event itself than, than Cody could. I think everybody would agree. And at the same time managed to make Cody incredibly sympathetic and uh, drum up this groundswell of support for him and, and make Cody even hotter than arguably he's ever been and undoubtedly hotter than he was the day he won the Royal Rumble. So it appeared to be a win-win for the company. Bigger main event, more eyeballs on the show. Cody is hotter than ever. Uh, quote, fans are quote-unquote outraged, but we know they're not going anywhere. Right, they're getting attention, and, they're bringing signs, they're yes. tweeting, they're talking, they're looking at videos, they're yeah. watching videos, they're sharing videos. It was a, uh, it was a dynamic uh, weekend for them. And the whole deal felt bigger than it did before the rock got involved. So we both concluded and agreed that 
they've done it again, Rich. They somehow finessed this and uh, and and turned what on the surface may have looked like something that could have backfired, and it looked like a massive win-win for them. Now tonight, <laughs> we have this media event. Press event. It was a press, press event. event. Free press to attend event. press event delivered by Pizza Hut. Nobody out pizzas the hut. Free to attend fans and press. That part's important. Press. Although if you wanted to, if you were so inclined, for $500 or $1,500, you could purchase a credential. A media credential. Any fan could do that. Any media member could do that. And you get to sit in the front row of the press event. You get a signed weight belt from Cody. You get to have a cocktail with your favorite WWE superstar, right? So we have this press event. And uh, these uh, uh, members of the media who paid their own way to fly out to Las Vegas today. This was in Las Vegas, correct? Richard? This was in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. And let me tell you, it was a packed house there. Yes. AW would kill to have this house. It was free. It was free, to be free. It was indeed free, but and, um, it is, and it is Super these, Bowl weekend. But still, yeah. They, they, here's the thing. Shouldn't have been free because these animals would have paid to get in. Anyway, that's what I'm saying. The they they could have charged but, $5 a head and probably had the exact same crowd. So uh, we'll we'll get to the press in a minute. Let's save the press aspect. Yeah, they're, they're, they got time. Cho- they got time. Yeah, we got. We got. I, I have a few choice words for our uh, <laughs> our friends, for our, our our fraternity members in the uh, in, in in the wrestling media. Rich, you're never going to believe it, but the content creators are at it again. Rich. Oh no, they're at it again. Not the content, content creators in this so. space. Are they at it again um, in this space? In this space, they are at it again, oh, and, and I would I would think. I would think I saw a lot of the same faces that we saw at the Rumble and, uh, you know, paying their own way to go out to Vegas for this on the Super Bowl event. Joe, it's the weekend of the Super Bowl and they flew to the place where the Super Bowl is. Rich press event. <laughs> they flew that. their own way out again. I saw a lot of the same faces. Now we'll get to them. I don't want to get skip right, ahead. Right, right, but right, right, right. I would think that these esteemed members of the press would be incensed that they flew on their own dime all the way to Vegas to essentially watch a raw segment play out on a stage. Yeah, but to watch we'll to watch say, a to watch a pay per view pre show and then a raw segment. To watch a raw segment play out on a stage and then oh that's it folks everybody hit the bricks. Glad you came. I would think that they're all going to be incensed. I'm probably going to be wrong. They're probably all posting their content. And, uh, and and claiming they had a swell time. But we'll get to the uh, the, the feckless wrestling media. Uh, they're not the top story here. The top story here is the Raw segment that played out on the stage, which is it's essentially what this was. This is not a press event. There were no questions. This is not a press conference. I don't know why they invented the press. Well, I know why they... Uh, uh, I know why they invited they get the free press. promotion. <laughs> they get free promotion out of the media people that traveled now, across now, the country now, the week of the Super Bowl, where the Super Bowl is taking place with, with a week's notice and flew out to cover this thing is now, if they have another one of these things and any of these people go again, they deserve what they get. Right. They're right. absolute fools. They, you know, they, they're, you know, 
Um, but these are not serious people, Rich. We know that these are not serious people. But uh, let, let's get to what occurred here. So as we said, last we spoke to everybody on Tuesday on the uh, on the Tuesday edition of the flagship available exclusively on the $5 tier on flagshippatreon.com. Three weeks worth of Tuesday flagships. So much news, we have to do two a week now. Um, as I said, when we left, it looked like WWE had finessed themselves into a great situation. Everybody was in hotter. In my view. Yeah, Cody was hotter than ever. The Rock Cody had, had just injected ever. himself into the yep. thing, and the crowd was loving him. Roman looked like yep. even bigger of a heel because he's out there cutting promos on people and bad-mouthing everybody or whatever. It, it was that segment on Friday. I know that some people might say, oh, it was a disaster, but it couldn't have played out better for them in the wake of what happened there, because you have everybody getting mad about Cody, whether whether actual mad, fake mad, whatever, it didn't matter to them. They were getting people that were you know engaged with the product and interested in that. You had the Rock, who who you know certain segments of fans are, were were upset about, but by and large, most of your normal fans were fine. And we said again on Tuesday that. The reason the rocks in there is that you can bring him to a sports center. You can bring him to first take. You can put him all. He can do all those press junkets, every single thing. And it's a lot better. And the media looks a lot better. If you say that the rock is in the WrestleMania main event against Roman Reigns. So it made all the sense in the world that they would want to promote that. Cody was hotter than ever, getting a groundswell of, uh, you know, of people, you know, excited about him and, and the we want Cody moving and stuff. And Seth Rollins, hey, he is also a WWE superstar. That's what I could say about Seth Rollins for sure. But <laughs> well, listen, the point here is the point here is they had the fans in the palm of their hands 48 yep. hours ago. And it had three guys as hot as they've been in this company in, in, in quite some time. Right. And they, they totally finessed the situation when The Rock, you know, decided in early January he wanted to participate in WrestleMania, throwing all of their plans awry. I thought they finessed their way into um, into a win win situation, and that's where we left forty eight hours ago. Rich, after I watch this thing tonight, <laughs> and I will get your take because I've done a lot of talking, so I'm going to step aside for you in a minute. Um, my, my take on it was: how long was that segment? Twenty minutes, thirty minutes? Let's call it a half hour. Yeah, the whole thing was about hour and a half. I want to say ninety minutes for the entire thing. I unfortunately I watched mean, a lot I of mean them. The, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean the raw segment. Yes, the, right, right. The, not the not the PLE pre-show that that played out in front of uh, for no the first hour. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean when the when the four uh, WWE superstars uh, were out there for the uh, the main event players. Um, I well, feel like the three of them. I guess. Three minutes. Well, 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 well. I guess it's it's four. I mean, because anyway, we'll get to it. I feel like in a matter of thirty minutes, they uh, managed to cool off all four of the people that were on that stage to varying degrees. So, uh, what an accomplishment to somehow go from you finessed your way into to a giant win with an ugly situation to we leave this thing. With uh, more questions than answers, which is by design because they want to drag this on and draw ratings and all of that. We understand that. But uh, more importantly, I feel like um, they, everything that they – all the wins they collected 48 hours ago were out the window. And I feel like all four of the people involved are worse off in this moment than they were uh, you know, an hour ago bef- bef- before this event took place. And I think that's astounding that they managed to trip over their own dicks and uh, and blow a good thing here. And I don't know whether it was a pivot based on some feedback they've gotten uh, internally over that or whether this was the plan all along. But uh, I don't know. This felt like a big old miss to me. Rich Krejci, the floor is yours. A disaster. An absolute disaster. Uh, we, we went into this you know, thinking that we would have a lot of clarity 
uh, or at least a little bit more clarity on what the WrestleMania main event was going to be, or maybe the two night main event. And a lot of people thought as, as, as the groundswell was kind of happening with the, we want Cody stuff. And it felt like the WWE themselves were kind of pivoting a little bit. And it obviously became part of the story and you have, you know, talents and, and people from the outside world of their, you know, connected media tweeting stuff about Cody and we want Cody and all that sort of stuff. It felt like to me, and I even said on Tuesday, like I, I, I am of the belief that at some point pretty soon, we're going to get the pivot of, whether it be a three-way match with Cody, Roman, and The Rock, or we're going to get the two-night thing where on night one, Cody and Roman are going to face each other, and then you know it'll be Rock and Roman for the next night, or or whatever we want to do it. If you want to do Rock Roman on night one, Roman beats him, and then night two is is, is Cody Roman. That whatever you want to do, it always right. to me. Right. I always thought The Rock was going to be main eventing on the Sunday show because that's the bigger show anyway. But whatever way they were going to do it, it was like all right, that's their job to figure this out. But I think I know what direction they're kind of going in. And then yeah, the- <laughs> we, we 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 thought that they could we 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 thought there was a chance that they could do pivot to something right, else right, that right. It wouldn't necessarily be Rock versus Roman. Maybe like you said, the two nights or a three way something. But who saw a tag team match? Uh, right, and then, I don't think any of us. But so then anyway, we have this just ahead. bizarre segment. So you uh, like like if, if if never watch this thing again. It's on YouTube. Never watch it ever again. It's an hour of. A PLE pre-show of people just kind of going rah, 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 just mummer, Biggie, CM Punk, Michael Cole, and Pat McAfee just kind of just vomiting into microphones for an hour. Doesn't matter. Skip it all. Then the real segment comes. You get Triple H, who's just kind of playing up to the crowd by naming past WWE superstars, just saying the names of people that are going to get cheers. Which I got fair play to him. But then what played out was what you have to describe it as an absolute disaster. Uh, just an absolute wild disaster of what's going on. What am I watching? Are they pretending that? Cause what essentially happens is, is the rock comes out, Roman comes out and then, you know, they're talking back and forth and the rocks, you know, getting booed a little bit and stuff. And he's talking about the family tree and the Cody Crybabies. That's the thing he's kind of started today and talking about, Hey, if you don't believe that this is the biggest match in the WrestleMania, you know, it, your opinion doesn't matter or whatever. So we got a little bit of rock with the edge. And we saw that on the McAfee interview that he did earlier today, that the rock was maybe going to pivot to having a little bit more of an edge and not just be a smiley, happy little baby face, but that's okay. You're like, all right, well this, this again, makes sense for Cody to come out and say, no, no, no. Okay. Hold on a minute. I gave you this spot but now you're not really appreciating what i did for you you know now i want my spot back type of thing and then the rock goes well hold on a minute no 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 and then we do like i said the 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 three-way match or the the two nights thing or hey we have a way to solve this i'll face him on this night you face him on that night or whatever then essentially what happens is cody comes out and just says i'm gonna finish my story it's me versus roman at wrestlemania and the crowd goes yeah and then the rock just goes hey you can't do that and then he slaps him and then it's over and it's like, okay, so now we're under the assumption that it is it is Roman versus Cody. And they're tweeting out, it's Roman versus Cody, Roman versus Cody. Are we just pretending Friday didn't happen, right? Are we just pretending that – because this makes, this makes Cody look like the absolute biggest buffoon in the world because not that long ago, how many days ago? Friday? Six days ago, seven days ago when most of you guys listened to this. Cody came out here. And had all the opportunity to determine the WrestleMania main event, which he said at this presser. I have the ability to determine the WrestleMania main event. And he said the same thing on Friday. And he said, you know what? It's going to be The Rock versus you at WrestleMania. Okay, I'm out. Bye. And now here on this Thursday, he comes out and goes, I have the chance to determine the WrestleMania main event, and it's me versus Roman. And I'm just wondering if we're just going to pretend that Friday never happened, if we're going to try to explain that at all, but it made Cody look like a goofball. The Rock comes across like an absolute asshole. Roman's just kind of in the corner 
smiling and then Seth's like way in the corner like way out there and it's like oh yeah Seth Rollins is involved in this too and then he comes out to like stop a shoving match afterwards and you're left going like what the fuck are we doing are we doing a tag match or what is this what have you done to this story why have you fucked this story up so much and made Cody look like a buffoon. The Rock looks like an asshole. Roman looks like he's just kind of in the background. Like, I don't know. I mean, he Roman feels like a non-factor. He just feels like a complete non-entity Roman, in this entire let me, thing. Let me tell you how I my read on Roman after all this is how much more charismatic The Rock is than him. Oh, he's eating him alive. Like yeah. The Rock. And, and, and with them sort of being paired up by the end of it, the only thing that I can think about as I watch is, oh, my God. The Rock is just, he just swallows Roman. Roman is like. I don't even want to call him like a little brother in this scenario, but that that's maybe the best comp I can come up with now. He feels like Rock's little brother or a little stoogie because the Rock's charisma and star power just completely engulfs Roman Reigns, especially so when it's like they're being paired together now. Right, right. And as, now it's like, it feels like, okay, the real superstar the is here now. The real yeah, star. I'm here right. now. And it's, and it's funny because... They had both Rock Roman, which would have been, to me, the biggest match they could do. They had Cody versus Roman, which was the match they'd been building to for two years and a match that obviously a lot of their fans wanted. And then we come out of this press event. And to me, the hottest potential singles match coming out of it was Cody versus Rock. Yes. How the fuck did that happen? Like, (laughs) right? And that's like, and that's the one singles match we're guaranteed not to get. Like, you have no chance of getting that singles match at WrestleMania based on what we saw tonight. But that all of a sudden felt like the biggest match because, as you just said, as we just said, Roman kind of felt small. Yeah, and that, and, and that's not often that he's felt larger than life during this entire Bloodline run or the majority of it. Tonight on that stage, he felt small and it felt like Rock Cody was the play. And instead of Rock Roman, which we thought we were going to get, instead of Rock Cody, uh, instead of Roman Cody, which we thought we were going to get all along, and instead of Cody Rock, which feels like the obvious match now, we might be getting a tag team match for some reason. This is just such a, this is what I'm saying. Everyone came out of this looking worse. Than they did a half hour before it started. And Seth and looks like the Rollins. biggest fucking geek. I mean, Rollins is just like, he can just somebody face like me at WrestleMania? Geek. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Like, <laughs> Go over he's there. on that stage. <laughs> right. Nobody wants to wrestle him. <laughs> right. He's like, can somebody please fight me for my title? And they're like, all right. <laughs> Pipe down. Nobody cares about his title. <laughs> Roman is just emasculating him up there. <laughs> uh, you know, with ribbon on the square because it's within kayfabe so he can get away with it but he's just tearing the guy down yeah yeah yeah. he's telling cody it's a done deal i'm facing the rock you can go challenge for the b title uh second tier players over on that side of the stage <laughs> and he's there like, and he's on that stage and he, the guy's standing there <laughs> the guy's on that stage he's he's the world champion of the company <laughs> it doesn't matter like it, it, everyone knows it's the cuck title. He, they should have had a little cuck chair out there for him. He should have just <laughs> sat in a little, a little chair. Yeah. chair. <laughs> yeah, he should have sat in a little chair and took out his fucking little wiener and fucking masturbated <laughs> while the other three stars were talking. Because that's essentially how that all played out. You know, uh, I, I, I know you can please me quite well, but you know, it, 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 that's that he came off like a complete goof, a complete goof. 
No one came no one came out of this hotter than it started. And that's not really not the intent. It, we came out with a ton of questions. And and I because I'll tell you this. I don't think The Rock got booed as hard as they were hoping he would because he was out there trying to get. Oh, he was leaning so far into it too, trying to get the fans. I mean, he, and then he, he tried so bad to get the what chance he tried to get. I mean, he was trying like hell to be the rock. He He got booed. Oh, no doubt. But he got like half that place was behind him. Yeah. Cody sucks chance and that sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 Let's go. Rocky. Rocky sucks. You know, and, and he got enormous cheers when he came out. And then when he did his audience participation promo, you know all the you know the, the the lemming WWE fans, they just love to do the crowd participation stuff. And they were all, you know, um, and when he did the end millions and then end million, and then they're all doing it like yeah, he, yeah. he didn't get booed to the extent that they that it felt like he wanted to be booed. And then Cody, when Cody came out, he got a nice little pop, but it wasn't like the roof blowing off the building pop that you expected him to get. So Rock didn't get booed as hard as I think he wanted to get booed. And he was trying his hardest to get booed super hard. And Cody didn't get the level of pop that I thought Cody would have got. You know why? Because people were fucking confused. They didn't know how to react to any of this. It was all very confusing to them. They've been told like they've been, they've hinted or told them about three different main events at this point. Four, if you want to throw in, you know, Cody and Seth, there's like, you know, get the tag match, Cody, Seth, uh, Rock, Roman, and Cody, Roman. These fans don't know what the fuck they're getting. And they didn't know what they were getting in the moment. So they didn't know how to react to anything. They didn't know they could. It, this was a mess. And, you know, I know there's a lot of time between now and WrestleMania. It's going to play out on Raw. It's going to play out on SmackDown. And who knows what the end result's going to be. Maybe it'll be the tag match on night one. And then... Uh, Cody and Roman on night two. At least that's where we stand now. Two days ago, <laughs> it was going to be The Rock versus Roman. This 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 style of telling a big match story rarely works, though. You know what I mean? Just establish what the fucking yeah. match is going to be and build to Pick that the match. Fucking match and build it right. Show some fucking guts and book a match and build to that thing and make it the biggest match you can make it for the biggest show of the year. This this and this tiptoeing around that it. were yeah, and they had two matches that were essentially layups. And they should have just picked one and and ran hard with it. And now the weird thing is there's a third match that isn't even really in play that feels hotter than both of those matches now. Because I don't know how you come out of that not thinking that Cody versus Rock is the match. Fuck, maybe it will be. Maybe, maybe it is. Who knows? Who fucking out. knows, man? It, it is. It, it's it's wild. And and. We did. There was a little bit of a backstage segment. I don't know if you saw, but there was a backstage segment where The Rock went up to Paul Levesque and said, "Fix this, fix this, or whatever." And Paul's just like, "You got to, you know." So now they're they're baby facing Levesque, and so I guess the company is the baby face in this case, and they're gonna back Cody and The Rock and Roman are the bloodline heels. Like, how did you turn The Rock into a bloodline aligned? The whole story I've been telling since the day one of the bloodline is that The Rock wants to beat Roman and take over the bloodline, and now he's cutting a promo saying, hey, pal, that's my bloodline too, man. Don't be talking shit about the blood. Don't be talking shit about my guys and, and, and Roman or whatever. So now you've, you've completely... 
that story that that you have been building since day fucking one with the bloodline and the Roman Reigns thing, the thing that you wanted to do three WrestleManias ago, two WrestleManias ago, last all these WrestleManias ago, you wanted The Rock to show up and face Roman Reigns for that head of the table, and now it's like loosely The Rock and Roman are aligned. Like, how do you do that? How do we go from where we were Friday to now today The Rock and Roman are like buddies sort of they have a common enemy that they're gonna take on what are you doing <laughs> what <laughs> it's not gonna matter though that's the fucking problem it never goddamn matters at this company and everyone's gonna say oh this is genius oh it's unbelievable they have so many hot stories i can tell now but it's 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 just oh this type of stuff rarely works i know that they they think it's gonna be interesting to have oh my god what's the match gonna be what's the match gonna be what's the match gonna be i honestly for for your big time show just book a fucking match and build to that match. Let's not forget that Cody got pink brushed and, you know, emasculated as well. He got slapped in the face and didn't really get any revenge for it. Um, I know they had to pull apart, but um, did you hear? Uh, did you see? Did you see the stuff backstage with Rock and, and Paul Levesque? Yeah, yeah. I talked that? about that. Yeah, that's I yeah. said. They're basically baby facing yeah. the company and Triple H now. Right, right, right. Did you see the stuff with Punk? Where he basically took his shots at AEW and the Bucks. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Paraphrasing, but he said, I wouldn't, you know, if somebody slapped me in the face, I wouldn't, you know, be able to restrain myself. I'd go out there and rip their eyes out or whatever, even if I only had one arm. arm. Yeah. Strongly implying that he got slapped in the face in that room and and he tore people apart with one arm. The other thing he said was something that he had said privately a million times during that whole AEW, um, debacle suspension uh post brawl out and everything he, he and he literally got to say it on camera where he said um and again paraphrasing when men have issues they should just have a fist fight and work it out that's how real men take care of things <laughs> and uh, he had a lot of passion behind what he was saying because he really believes that he was that's something and i and i spoke i've spoken about this on the air that's something that he has told people and was telling people during his suspension. Like, I don't understand why men can't just have a fight and then be done with it and move on. And, you know, we fought, we got it out of our systems. We, we solved your problems through beating the shit out of each other. Like he believes in that, like for real, like that wasn't CM Punk, the character out there tonight right. talking about that. That's, that's one of his like real credos. He's like, I don't know. You just fucking fight. And, 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 and then your bros, you know, real, real old school fucking, uh, toxic masculinity, uber masculine shit. But uh, and he got a chance to let it all out tonight, uh, and 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 say some things that have some plausible deniability when it comes to uh, the bevy of NDAs that they're all being held to when it comes to that stuff. So uh, just a fascinating train wreck, confusion filled night. I mean, what a weird thing that that whole deal was. And now I see it does appear they're having. They've got some of the WWE superstars available for for some questions from this uh, from this assembled press that went out there. So at least they're getting something out of it. Um, but uh, I don't know if any of you know. I don't know if Levesque is available. I don't know if um, they're going to expose themselves to more uh, lawsuit questions or anything like that. So uh, really, no point in asking Jade Cargill about these sorts of no, things. No, no. But um, but yeah, so um, I do see Jade Carkill out there in some tweets, fielding some questions in front of the uh, Pizza Hut logo. So, uh, so, so there you go. I did see um, 
Yeah, a lot of the same faces that we saw at the Rumble flew themselves out to this one too. Rich, these content creators, maybe we have it all wrong and they are making millions and millions of dollars because how are they flying themselves all over the country to go to these things? And then, like, there's what's the return on investment? Like, what, what are you getting out of these trips where you're flying to Las Vegas Super Bowl weekend, you know, to take uh, vertical phone footage of Jane Carkill answering softball questions to put on your little YouTube page? Like, how much money are you possibly uh, yeah. Am I the one that's off base here? Uh, no, no, you're like, not. And especially these people who, who presumably then paid additional on top of the plane ticket, paid either $500 or $1,500 or whatever to be part of of additional parts of this it, it uh, i don't know because i'll tell you uh even if you said hey rich this would be a really good opportunity if you got out there i'd be like i don't know if i can afford to like on a week's notice fly out to las vegas for this wwe press event and then also pay for a 500 dollars lanyard or whatever i'm like i don't know and and ultimately like there's no like you said there's zero return on investment so i don't i don't know man it is um maybe they're gonna write some hard-hitting stories when they get back yeah. to uh Sure. Hometowns. You think uh-huh. they're gonna all write some hard hitting stories, and uh, they're gonna uncover some truths, maybe about the lawsuit. Or, right. Run back. You know, run back to the hotel rooms. Just get working. You know. Get a get get a get a coffee yeah. on the way back, and just put on the visor and the puffy sleeve shirt, and just start typing. <laughs> just burn the midnight oil. You know. Getting down. Getting yeah. down to brass tacks. Figuring this all out. The nitty sure. gritty. You know. Yeah. Sure. Perhaps that's what's gonna happen. Out Perhaps. There. Perhaps uh, it will. <laughs> Perhaps. You know. Or we're going to ask Jade Carkill what it was like to participate in the Royal Rumble match. Right. <laughs> right. Royal Rumble match. How excited were Royal you to Rumble. participate in the Royal Rumble match? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's the uh, the press event. And I guess. Uh, hey, we got it. Yeah, I don't but, know. Like, can we can we now? I know that WWE is tweeting we, out <laughs> that it's it's Roman versus Cody, but. But they, they tweeted out it was Rock Roman. Yeah, point, so, so the difference doesn't matter. Just stay tuned to um, Monday Night Raw for more. Uh, at some point, this has got to turn on them, right? At some point, this has got to blow up in their face, right? Right? No. It I won't. mean, are they really going to do that tag match? <laughs> Who wants that? I love, Who I love Seth getting in there at the end. Hey, hold on. Bring it out. Come on. <laughs> yeah, like, why is he even getting involved? Yeah, in get the out of here. Right. They, all three of them should turn around and be like, shut up, Seth. And like, okay, fine. Okay, yeah. so all right, I know we're doing a lot of goofing, okay? They um, deserve it. What? They deserve the goofing. No, I know, I know. I know we're doing a lot of goofing on it, but let's let's really try to break this down. Okay. None of this makes sense. Like like you said earlier. We've retconned Friday. Friday like, just didn't exist, I guess. Cody just looks like a complete buffoon. He goes out there Friday and gives the match to The Rock. And then he comes out and changes his mind and says, I'm the one who decides, and I'm facing Roman Reigns. Well, I guess the idea is he changed his mind because The Rock is kind of like being a cocky douche about things. Is that the idea? Well, too damn bad, man. You shook his hand, hugged him, and got out of the ring. I think that's it. No, but I'm think... saying, from, from the sto- is that the story they're telling? I guess the story is, yeah, that The Rock isn't like quite appreciating the... I mean, well, here, what, first off, I'm telling their story for them because they didn't say that. The Cody didn't say, hey, Rock, I haven't really you know appreciated the way that you've acted since I right. gave you this golden opportunity. So you know what? I still have the opportunity to decide what the main event of WrestleMania is going to be, and I'm going to finish the story, yada, yada, all that sort of stuff. He just came out and was basically like, I have the ability to determine the WrestleMania main event. And it's like, well, yeah, you did on Friday, but then you shook the guy's hand, hugged him, and then left the ring. So are we supposed to assume this man has, like, split personality disorder or 
Was I it, think the idea is supposed to be the rock ha, that, that, that Cody. Well, tell that story then. Stepped, tell that story. I, yeah. I think he, I think he graciously stepped aside and now he feels like the rock is being a douchebag. So he's like, ah, no, I changed my mind, but it's like, that's not really you know. babyface behavior, though, because the babyface behavior would be like, you know what, Rock? I really appreciate what you did. I gave you that spot. So what I, I want you to do is how about on night one of WrestleMania, you and I face each other. And if I beat you, I get Roman on night two. And if you beat me, you get Roman on night two. That's what a ba- that's what a real story would be, Paul, if you're, uh, if you're on yeah. some free day. Not just, I thought maybe they would do both matches yeah. and do a three-way. Right. I was waiting for the three-way. but And they might do both of those things. Those things, I guess, are still on the table. But I don't mean, you know. I guess not to channel an old classic Seinfeld episode and cause I don't want to get myself canceled for the, for the ninth time, but it, it's kind of, you know, Cody, you can't like give somebody something and then just decide you, you want it back. Right. Like, <laughs> right. He comes across like a complete goofball. Kinda, he, he either comes across as a goofball, an idiot, or just a, an asshole. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I thought about it all weekend. And I don't really want, I, I kind of want to face Roman instead. Sorry. It's like he either comes across like a, go, a goofball who got completely emasculated by the rock and then decided, okay, you're not being, you're not being very nice. So I'm going to take my toy back. Or he's just an idiot who didn't realize he gave the guy the toy and is like, actually, I want that toy back if I can have it. It's, it's either, just the bottom line is he looks like a dope. No, there's That's no. The way that he comes across good like i said the way that he can come across good is he can come out there and say the rock you know rock i've been hearing the fans and you call them uh, you know cody crybabies and that sort of stuff and you're not being appreciative of the the immense opportunity that i gave you he threw in that right. one little line about you guys are the head of the table but i've been doing all the cooking which also just kind of makes you come across kind of like a, a, a goof right like yeah because they're yeah. like, oh, well, yeah, you're kind of a dumbass. You've been hanging around all the time, getting hurt and, and doing all that sort of stuff. We just kind of come in and we're in the WrestleMania main event. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Good for I'll you. Make my dinner, bitch. I'm glad you said that because I was watching with the nurse and she goes, well, <laughs> well, Cody's just a house bitch then, right? <laughs> just like the, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you said it. You said it, nurse, not me. You said it. Yeah. But she's like, even she so, was like, wow, he comes across like completely like a bitch here. Just being like, oh, well. You're at the head of the table, but I cooked the dinner. It's like, okay, <laughs> cool. All right, so we agreed that that, yeah, and that's one of the things that makes Cody look worse than he did. Right, right. If know, he, again, if ago. he steps up, I, I, I'm fully in favor. If he steps up and says, Rock, I, I gave you this opportunity, but I haven't liked the way you've acted recently. And you know what? I, I can't, I can't give back. I can't tell you to give it back to me because I gave it to you. But you know what we can do? If you're up for it, night one of WrestleMania, you face me. And deter and, and prove to me that you belong in this WrestleMania event. Prove to me that I did the right thing, that I did the right thing in giving you the WrestleMania main event. I did the right thing to let you finish the story, and I I, I delayed my. Fi- but we'll face each other on night one, and then I know you want to want to do that because you don't want the Rock to to wrestle back to back nights or whatever. But like, I don't know that that's better than him just coming out and just pretending that he had like amnesia. And Friday we're just going to pretend didn't happen or whatever. Or or like you said, the idea that that that. He thinks Rock's being a douchebag, but then say that. You got to tell that little bit of the story. This is the storytelling company, Joe, right? Isn't this the company that tells stories? AEW just has guys no sell, and this is the, the, you know, that's what they do with their tell their stories. They just book cool matches and have guys no sell. This is the company that tells stories. Can you at least maybe then try to tell the fucking story here and the story not be Cody has amnesia and we just forgot that Friday existed? They're also doing like this meta thing because Triple H said that The Rock went into business for himself. Well, Mm. What does that mean that the rest of it was kayfabe and bullshit and and, and a work? Does that mean the rest of it was a work? And uh, and and then The Rock went into business for himself and ruined and 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 ruined their fun little press event where everything was a work. So they're starting to get a little meta with it too. 
Um, the other piece is, is again, try to make sense of why Rollins would be involved in this or, or angry by the end of it for any reason. Like, why is he getting involved in the shoving match? What, how does that fit into whatever this fucking He just really wants to somebody to face him for his title. The man is going to wrestle with a torn meniscus. <laughs> he's trying to get he's wrestling while hurt and just so badly wants one person to, to, to accept his challenge and nobody wants to accept his challenge and nobody wants his is dopey that even title. Is the story though? I don't even think that's the story. It's absolutely the story. Yeah, he's he's trying to uh, he's been he's been cutting promos he's trying to, to get Cody. He was trying to get Cody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was trying to get Cody. I mean, now I don't know what he's trying to well, do. Isn't it, doesn't that make him stupid? Yes. Because <laughs> I, I I know in AEW right now, Samoa Joe's annoyed. Samoa Joe thought that because of the draw, and we'll get to that later, that um, he wouldn't have an opponent. And he's like, ah, great. <laughs> I get the pay-per-view off. You know? Then he found out it's a three-way, and he's annoyed. That sounds like a smart champion. Why would Seth want to face someone? I don't understand. That doesn't. But but the thing with Seth is, I still can't tell whether he's a babyface or a heel half the time. Because what the fuck is he supposed to be? He's not likable. But I think he's a babyface. What the fuck is he? I believe he's a babyface. Yeah, I think at this point he's a babyface. He still kind of dresses like an asshole, though. So I guess I understand why. You might be a little confused, but I believe he is a babyface right now. And, and that's the idea that he's a babyface fighting champion with the real world title or whatever. And that's all well and good if you have a lot of challengers that want to fight, uh, face you for the real world title and want to, you know, the, you know, main event WrestleMania and face you. But the problem is he's just like asking people to face him and nobody wants to face him. So then he's just kind right, of just sitting like in his corner. Idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kind of sitting in his corner. And then, and then and then he's mad when Rock slaps Cody. But why? Like, what's he mad about? And then he gets involved in the brawl. Like, yeah, th- th- this is allegedly the company that. I guess it's well. I guess it's the idea that because Roman's bad mouthing him and his title, so he's got yeah, beef with that's Roman. Not when, that's not when he got mad. He got mad when Rock slapped Cody. <sighs> Look, <laughs> ask Paul. I don't know. Yeah, this sucks. This just this fucking shit. sucks. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, we spent all Tuesday putting them over for getting something done. Yeah, here, and well, then it couldn't later, last long. Yeah, you knew you knew it couldn't last. Yeah. Yeah, this sucks. Um, so I don't know. I guess maybe now there's some people saying they could do the tag match in Australia, but I don't think Roman or The Rock are doing that fucking 18-hour <laughs> no flight. One's getting all these, you think The Rock is going to come back for the first time for a legit match that he's had in, in – because I'm not counting the Eric Rowan thing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like There was the right, one time where he came right. in and rock bottom Eric Rowan. We're talking like – yeah, was that 2013, 2012? Last time, 2013, right? Was the last time the Cena matches, right? Yeah, the, the last mid, one was, was 2013, right? Let me let me make stuff, sure right? I have that right. Let's see, let me, me pull this up here. Yeah, but he's not doing it at 4 a.m. in Perth, Australia, right? <laughs> like that's not the happening. Rock. Yeah, uh, 2013. Um, yeah, I'm not counting the Eric Rowan six minute. I do a couple rock bottoms to you match. That that wasn't a match. That was just a, a, a thing. But uh, 2013 WrestleMania XXIX. I forget what uh, what was the logo because I think they had gone to logos by that point. I don't know if it was WrestleMania play button or WrestleMania well, Statue 20, of Liberty or whatever. That's, that's twenty nine, if you're wondering. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know. Um, yeah, that they just did WrestleMania and then it just had the New York skyline on it or whatever. So I think that's the first one they stopped doing uh, the Roman numerals. But uh, yeah, so that that his last legit match is 2013. So 11 years ago, the man last wrestled a match. He is not returning to WWE for the first time ever to team with Roman Reigns 
in Perth, Australia at 4 a.m. on Peacock. It's just, he's just not. Yeah, it's, I, it's the I same people trying to cope with, oh, oh I got it. The Rock's going to face Roman Reigns in, at Elimination Chamber. No, he is not. He's not going to go to Perth, Australia and wrestle at 4 a.m. to lose to Roman Reigns to set up Roman and Cody at WrestleMania. I know that the, the, the WWE universe thought that that would be the possibility. That's, that was never going to be the possibility. Yeah. So I so, don't know. Who fucking knows? Who cares? They they can't trot a tag match out there, right? I mean, they can't do that, right? I suppose you could do it for night one, I guess. Oh, come on. It's a wet fart, man. That's the wettest the of farts. Fart? Yeah, I don't watch that. Who could possibly care? Well, like I said, again, like you've told this story for years and years and years of the Rock versus Roman, and now they're just going to come out together and like... You know, and I guess you could tell the story that they're not quite getting along or whatever. But we don't need we don't need any other pretense. They've been doing this fucking story for four years, basically. The whole bloodline thing is is you don't need the extra pretense of them having a tag team. Can they coexist match? You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what the last thing on earth we need is a can <laughs> yeah. they coexist match yeah. between the Rock yeah. and, and Roman? But maybe that's what they're gonna do. Do the tag match on night one and then night two. I guess Roman and Cody. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I thought we would know, and we don't know. And a bunch of people paid money thinking they would know, and now they don't know either. So I don't know. Imagine flying yourself out to Las Vegas, and the end result is like, I don't know. <laughs> you fly yourself out to Las Vegas to watch a Raw segment. Yeah. And the answer you get is, oh my God. We'll see. See you on Monday. I don't know. It's some corny ass one act play play out in front of you, and and then we still don't really know what the hell's happening. I mean, you got to cheer though when Paul know. Levesque said Mick Foley went, yeah. <laughs> well, the fans that went for free, I'm sure they had a blast. I mean, that's fine, but man, but they'll fly out to the next one. Yeah, they'll, they'll be fly there. out to mm-hmm. the next one. They'll be there. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Guess we'll do it again next week. When I guess so. Smackdown's tomorrow, Rich. Yeah. The next step in this uh, fantastic story, I guess. Yeah, Drew Hall just said, I spent $2,500 to let it play out. <laughs> it's, really, you did. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, Drew Hall in, in, in the note of chat room. Just oh, like, quote, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spent $2,500 to let it play out. <laughs> Right, right. Exactly. And willingly and happy and very happy, probably. And how was this a press event? It was just a one act play that played out in front of you. That they did here instead of Raw. <laughs> I don't know. I it mean, is... is it possible? Is it possible that this convoluted what's going to happen stuff is can can make the event hotter than it would have been otherwise i don't think i i think that people might pretend it does but i really don't know if it ever does yeah i don't know i felt like they had a winning formula already and because now they're jerking you around a little too much not now there's a little too much going on here where it's just i I don't know it just seems a little it's it's it i I have a terrible read on like what current level WWE fans like these days, so so I'm not sure anymore. But man, I don't know. It just it now it feels like it feels like this is going to get all the wrong and more weird attention. I, I I don't know though. But like I said, I don't have a good read on current WWE fans or the current media. They might be saying, "What a masterful!" Oh, I can't believe we're back to where. Okay, we're well, always- here's the thing: they they can't take 
Cody Roman away from them again. And, and exactly. And that's that's kind of my next point I was going to say. Is that match is happening. We can't jerk this around anymore. We can't somehow pretend that Cody and Roman isn't going to happen now because now you're really playing with fire here. I feel like that has to be locked in. And if you wanted you to rock Roman, you can do that. But maybe it's got to be on a different night or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that that match is happening. The question is, is the other match really just going to be that dopey tag? And is our finger off the pulse? Is that something WWE fans are going to eat up, that tag match? I can't imagine you watched all that and thought to yourself, man, I really want to watch that tag. I, I, I can't imagine. Well, like you said, the only match, the only match I want to see that. after that press event is Cody versus The Rock. That sounds awesome right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. If they, if the they promoted the upcoming PLE, uh, which I guess is Elimination Chamber or whatever, and said Cody versus The Rock, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it. That sounds great. Yeah. That's the match they built. That's the match that I think is very clearly the hottest match coming out of this press event, which uh, I don't think that's what you were going for. Because like you said, that's the match they probably are, are not going to give us at all. It's mm. I, who knows, man. This is wild. I, I, I uh, yeah, Bone, Bone saw in the note of chat and brings up a great point. What inning is this? Because we're always in innings with this <laughs> bloodline story. I don't know what inning we're in. So we're getting reports. There's some tweets floating around. Some of the media members are saying that they were not. Here's this guy, uh, Adrian Hernandez at Adrian Radio 93. Let me see what this guy does and who. He yeah, is. let's let's make sure he's got he uh, a real. Uh, he um, some real credentials. Now, yeah, radio host. His banner picture is interviewing Bianca Belair at some event. Okay. Um, he is uh, got a lot of ats here at the Bet Las Vegas at Sporting Trib. He's got some places that he obviously does content for. Um, point here is he just put out a tweet saying. And I quote, I was not selected to do one-on-one interviews after this presser. I also wrote down, quote, to give people grace, end quote, in my 2024 goals. So this is my only tweet about it. So this is a man who, I guess, uh, flew himself. No, it looks like he's from Las Vegas. So at least he didn't have to fly himself out there. But the point here is he's not obviously not the only one. He's clearly annoyed that he wasn't selected to do interviews, but he's taking the high road by, you know, giving this little quote of his that he wants to give people more grace in 2024. But the right. point here is Nick Hausman had a similar thing as well. He flew himself out to Las Vegas today, uh, showed up, and then I think he tweeted out like, I, I, you know, I was told I would not be able to ask any questions or whatever. So I'm just turning around and going home. Yeah, he turned around, flew home, which is both, I have to say, um, good for him. And also it's impossible not to laugh at him. At the same time. Yeah. And now I hate Las Vegas. You know that. Las Vegas is my least favorite town. I'll find something to do for a night in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? I mean, geez, you fly yourself out there. Okay. You find out you can't talk to fucking uh, whoever the fuck, and you're just going to turn around and go home. I mean, I I, I hate that town. I don't like that town at all. I'd find something to do in Las Vegas. I get a cheap hotel. Play the tables. Maybe make up for that uh, plane ticket you paid for. Maybe you can play the tables. (laughs) Right. Is that what the kids call it? I can I can see I could see Rich doing my roulettes, doing crawling, play, putting twenty bucks on black, and then switching rich it to crawling the rich 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 crawling the floor of the Luxor looking for a five dollar table because he's an absolute cheapskate. <laughs> Absolutely, cheapskate. I can totally see that. And lamenting that all that the cheapest tables are twenty bucks, yep. and just uh, shaking his head and saying and then, this is ridiculous. And then maybe throw down a twenty and on odd and even on the roulette wheel and do that for about twenty minutes, and then go, okay, this is stupid. I'm leaving. 
ah, I'm up forty dollars. Yeah. I should probably cash out. It's over. You know, that's, that's kind of my. Or I find a good penny slot and uh, spend about ten minutes there, and then say, okay, I'm kind of done here. That's. Well, do you know that penny slots are the most profitable uh, uh, game in a casino for the casinos? Interesting. Did you know that I didn't. They make more money on penny slots than any other. Uh, any table game, any other kind of slot, penny slots are always number one. Are people just more prone to sitting there longer and not understanding how much money they're they're spending? Yeah, you just don't you don't think about it, and you know, I guess it's and plus a lot of people play them because they're cheap. I don't I don't know, but it, it's it's the number one money maker. Do you know what the least profitable uh, form of gambling in a casino is for the casinos? You the least profitable that? form of gambling for the least casinos. Uh, I'm going to say blackjack. Nope. Hmm. The sports book. Ah, okay. Makes Which sense. makes sense if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. It's it's the it's the one of the games that is probably the hardest for the casino to manipulate if you know what you're doing and you have some sort of understanding of yeah, you can manipulate the odds and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, it's 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 the le- it's the game with the least amount of we're fucking you over just because we want like slots and all that sort of stuff is all designed for them to yeah, but I, I guess the sports book, you could if you know what you're doing, it's you the make sports some. book. Yeah, there's a guy who um, I follow on Twitter who he tweets it out uh, every month. What the because that stuff's all public record, so he tweets out every month, and it's always uh, penny slots number one sports book on the bottom of the pile. So, so there you go. You with your penny slots, you're playing right into their hands. I am playing right into their hands. They're, 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 they're getting my they're twenty dollars. They're getting my twenty dollars and and putting it right in their coffers and laughing all the way to the bank yeah you put a hundred dollar bill in the penny slot or whatever <laughs> whoa <laughs> what do you think i made of money a hundred dollars in the pennies get out of here <laughs> you, play, you see you have like a hundred thousand credits you know and you're yeah, like yeah. it's ah you know and you just it's like playing all the lines you got to play all the lines too if you're playing a penny slot that adds up right because you can't win anything if you don't play all the lines so you can quickly see how it ends up being very profitable for the casinos the uh penny slots trying to find the last time this guy tweeted that information but i can't find it and this is a live show god damn it so i can't sit here and scroll this guy's twitter feed all day so you just have to take my word for it yeah that sounds about right though that's the that's the sports betting to me is the most game of skill that you could probably do at a casino you know what i mean quote-unquote skill and obviously there's there's gonna be in some inherent uh advantage that the casino or the book has but at least like the other ones like here you go yeah, I have it for November. You ready? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, craps took in forty million. This is net win for the casinos. Okay, craps okay. forty million. Sportsbook forty one million. Wasn't in last place this time around. Roulette forty five million. Ah, see, I'm winning on a roulette. There you go. Blackjack one hundred twenty one point two million. Whew, that's a big jump. Whoa, that's a big jump. Baccarat. Play a little Baccarat with I've the... Never, uh, I don't understand. I used to have a, a, a casino game for my Sega Genesis and it had Baccarat. I, I never learned how to play it. Didn't make any sense to me as a kid. 181.4 million. And uh, Penny Slots, 238 million. Damn. Penny Slots, as always, number one. And not even close, by the way. Yeah, that's up. quadrupling like roulette. I know what I'm doing next time I... Hit the yeah. casino that I always love to hit, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, don't fly back. Do something. Get a good meal. 
walk the strip. You know what I mean? Take in the the sights and the sounds and the smells of Las Vegas. You know, right? Like, yeah, don't don't fly back. The smells? Nah, it's just. When's the last time you, you really were in want Vegas? Taking the smells of Las you Vegas. You really don't. You really don't. When's the last time you were in Vegas? Uh, when I got married there. So what? Hey, how long we've been married? You should know that answer, sir. It'll be six years in April. Last time. Six I was years in Vegas April. There. Okay. Um, do you like the smell of marijuana? I hate the smell of marijuana. You are not going to like. You are not going to like Las Vegas anymore, then, sir. I I do not like the scent of the devil's lettuce. Well, I am not a fan. Las Vegas, I, uh, Sin City might not be for you anymore, then, sir, because the entire town, so, from the moment you get off the airplane to the moment you get back on the airplane, smells like weed everywhere you so go. So it smells like so it smells like my garage. Yes, everywhere you go, hotel rooms, yeah. the uh-huh. pools, the strip, the rest, <laughs> everywhere you go, smells like weed. Yeah, people just constantly yeah. smoking. Smoke in the air, just yeah, it is it is a lot. Well the, the Excalibur casino smells like mildew. So, <laughs> right, so it covers that, that up. So it's, it's I don't know. Yeah, I haven't been to the Excalibur in a couple of years, but yeah, maybe maybe that's the one place you can go to escape uh the smell that, of weed. That is, whole area, Excalibur, Luxor, that whole little like at the end of the strip there, but the Hooters, the Hooters casino, that whole area down there is just you know that's like the trashy end of the strip and it it Excalibur, you walk in there and it just hits you. It's like, why does this? Why does it smell like mildew? It just fucking smells like mildew. I don't. I don't know if they. May, I don't think they've changed the carpets in the Excalibur. Oh no, no, they're just waiting to knock that thing down. That's got to be the next to go, right? Because Tropicana's meeting the wrecking ball this year, right? Very, very soon. Because that's where they're presumably going to put the A's <laughs> stadium, even though nobody wants the A's. Knock it down, Tropicana. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the end of the end of the road for the Tropicana, unfortunately. So, where was the Nitro restaurant? That was Excalibur. Uh, Excalibur, Excalibur Nitro Grill. Uh, I'm looking. Excalibur. I'm looking at a cup from Nitro that very grill. place right now. I went to the uh, Nitro Grill. Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> Not good at all. Sometimes when you go to Excalibur, when you walk in, there's like a knight with a sword. Oh, I think there still you. is. Yeah, last time I went, there was. Yeah. I mean, but again, this is like 15 years ago. Is the last time I went to Excalibur. But at the time there, they're like, "Oh, hello, sir." <laughs> You're like, "Whoa!" He's a knight and he has a sword, and he usually has a couple broads with him. Oh yeah, clad. big, big like, old titties all over the place. You walk in, there's a guy with a sword, some big breasts, and you're like, whoa, hell yeah. But then, yeah, the rest of it kind of sucks after that. So, Why did you sound like 40-year-old virgin? You're like, oh, yeah, big old titty. <laughs> right, because well, like the, the time, would, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They feel like bags of sand. <laughs> right. When you, when you squeeze them. Right. <laughs> yeah. and breasts. You talk <laughs> You didn't know what word to use. You're like, yeah, yeah, big old cities and breasts. Like you're talking about poultry, breasts. Jeez, you're so uncomfortable with the tits. Why are you so uncomfortable with the tits? I I don't know. I don't know. Titty guy? Yeah. 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 There is no shortage. Titties are titties, not a big titty guy. Oh, no, definitely, definitely. Oh, you are a big. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. You ever seen the nurse? You're yeah. Just too shy yeah. to say. Yeah, I'm just too shy. Guy. I'm just, I'm just tugging gotcha, my collar, gotcha. trying to change the subject as quickly as humanly possible. Um, like the breasts. <laughs> I like chicken breasts. breasts. I like human breasts. <laughs> Can't believe he said breasts. 
Um, bosom. I didn't say bosom. The busting bosom of the ladies at the Excalibur. So some well-endowed women in chainmail standing next to the the knight as he greets you. Yeah, coming in. But there's so much of that. You just want the strip, man. It's just like you're you you get bored. Oh yeah, of course. You're just like I okay okay. The next like. The next hot woman with pasties over nipples. You're just like, all right, all right, get out of my way. I'm just trying to walk you here. Get the sense of, <laughs> right, yeah. Come on, you get come the sensitized real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great yeah, ass. I get absolutely. it. Great ass. Okay, great, yeah. great. Move, move, move. I got to get across the fucking walkway. They, I have to go through another right. walkway. I have to go through yeah, this fucking walkway. casino yeah. and this walkway. And your tits yeah. are in the way. So can I please move? <laughs> get out of the fucking way. All right. Yeah. Great. Nice yeah. pasties. Great. They look fantastic. Great. Move, please. I gotta go. <laughs> No time. You don't even stop to turn around and look after no, the first no. ten minutes or so because it's just you're completely desensitized. You you know you're just trying to weave through the Pirates of the Caribbean cosplayers looking to take selfies and get tips from you to get from uh, one casino to the next. And uh, you know what was big? I hate that town. The, <laughs> Fuck that. Town. The Zach Galifianakis uh, cosplayers with the oh baby strapped yeah in their chest. yeah yeah the Hangover like, guys. Yeah, that, that's the one of the, the worst guys. new things that's happened. It's like it, 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 it it's that way in Hollywood too. You walk, which is another place you should yeah. never ever go. Uh, is Hollywood? And it's just like the entire strip is just like I'm dressed as Spider Man. I'm dressed as. Jack Nicholson from The Shining. I'm dr- yeah. just it's like all right. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah, but like, I, li- I like I like the low effort ones. I, I I really enjoy the low effort ones and and uh like the like the dollar store versions of these uh of these cosplayers that that where you where it's hard to figure out what exactly it is they're doing. Like those are the ones I like. There was a whole gang of uh of uh who's the who's the who's the guy that went to court with Amber Heard? Uh Johnny Depp. What's his name? Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. There was a whole gang of them, and each one of them were a different. Oh, I see Johnny that. Yeah, Depp yeah, character. yeah. There's Edward Scissorhands, yeah. Johnny Depp. There's Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Pirates Depp guy. guy they yes. were, that, those guys were making a killing, man. I'll tell you, they were yeah. raking in the dough when I was there. They're still out there, huh? They've oh yeah, been out there for years. Oh yeah, those guys. They roll together. It they might be a new together. crew. Maybe it's a new crew. It, it might be like a band. Like you know, one guy goes and they fill in another guy. It's probably not that hard to be like. You know, just grow your hair out, have a little goatee, and then we'll just give you the Edward Scissor hand scissors, and you're fine. You know, it'll be okay. Yeah. I guess Times Square is the same way, too, but I've never gone to Times Square because why would I do that? Yes, it is. Yes. Yes, it is. When I was in uh, New York for WrestleMania weekend, we drove by Times Square, and I went, yeah, I think I'm good. (laughs) It doesn't, never appealed to me. Anyway. So that's WWE, and that's WrestleMania XL. We'll see what happens at WrestleMania XL. Uh, very soon. Uh, stay tuned for uh, more <laughs> more matches getting changed or moved or stories being told. Anything else coming out of the uh, the the, pre- the green or are, are we green carpeting or are we red carpeting? What are we carpeting here? Is this a red carpet event? Because it's after the show, right? Does that still count? Is there still a red carpet if it's after the show? Do you know that the? the no. I think it turns into another carpet, right? Isn't it a green carpet? I don't know the colors of carpets and how it corresponds to post and pre events. I'm not familiar with that. Maybe I'm wrong. What's it called? It's called red carpet before an event, right? And then- yeah, but maybe it's red carpet both times. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, all right, let's move on to something else here. This I'm sick of talking about this dumb company. Um, and we're not talking about NXT. I'm, I have to. Wait. I need a little bit of a break before we talk about NXT. Is that okay with you? Did you, did you see they uh, they pulled the 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 the, the family tree right off the Wikipedia page. Did you know that? <laughs> no way. Did they really? Yeah, yeah. The family tree they use is the one right off the Wikipedia page. 
had everybody on it. The Snookers had them all. <laughs> uh, well, let me see. Gary not... Albright. They were all on there. <laughs> it was Gary. Did you check? Was he on there? He was 100% on it. Yeah, it was, it was the one straight off Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. my God. I love it. Lance Anaway. That's great. All of them. Black Pearl. They were all on there. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Brentel Bright. I love Brentel Bright being on there. That's great. So now Brentel Bright in in he's in WWE canon now. Brentel Brent Albright, I love it. Not Brent Albright, Gary Albright. Oh. <laughs> I was kind of confused. Brent Albright, no. That was that'd be awesome. That would be not, awesome. Not, no Gunner Scott. Was, <laughs> That's what I was, was I was wondering. I was like, I didn't Gary know he was involved Albright. in that. I didn't know. Okay, I didn't know Brent, for a sec because I knew that he was, but then I didn't know if Brent Albright found a way to. Get involved in no, the bloodline, no, no, no. like he married like the ninth removed cousin of 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 one of the Samoans. Okay, all right. No, Gary Gary Albright was married to one of the <laughs> sisters. No, no Gunner Scott. They had the working names in parentheses under each guy, and they had like if they died, they had like the year of their death as well on the on Rock's family tree that he had up there. That was... they they listed uh, Samuel Fatu as Tonga Kid. They oh. went with Tonga Kid instead of uh, Tama or the Samoan Savage. Oh, Tonga Kid. I would think okay. they would pick Tonga Kid over Samoan Savage. You know. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's what they went with. Well, is Tonga that what he Kid. is that what he is on the uh, on the family tree or the Wikipedia one? What what is he listed as? Let, no, let Wikipedia check. just has their shoot names. I see. Okay. They, okay. Add, they added the gimmick names for for this, and they put they chose Tonga Kid, which I thought was interesting. But he really was the, the big. He, he was the biggest star as the Tonga Kid, not as Tama of the Islanders. So, or the Samoan Savage, right, for right. that matter. And then they had you know Jacob Fatu connected to him as his son on there as well. They had everybody on there. I'm telling you, they ripped it right from Wikipedia. It's the same format and everything. <laughs> uh, was Lance there? Because Lance is like, if you go to the Wikipedia one, he's Lance, like, the, I, ju- I just said Lance. Lance okay, because he's like the one at the way at the bottom. Because he's like, and that's how it was up and, on okay, the thing. That's, that's what I'm perfect. telling you. Well, that's it what it looks like. That's the real chart thing. from Wikipedia. <laughs> they just <laughs> screenshotted it. I like it. Yeah, they ripped it right from Wikipedia. Yeah, and just added the working names. Yeah, that's what they did. Danny Garcia all the way to the corner. Yeah. Because she's kind of there. Now, aren't you? I'm looking at it because she's like kind of there, but not, you know, because she yeah. obviously Simone Johnson. Ava Rain is, yeah, is obviously. Ava so she's Rain. got like a weird Ava, dotted no, line. Just, no, no, no. Just Ava. Just Ava. Oh, just Ava. That's right. She's just Ava these days. Right. No more Rain. Ava Rain. Just Ava. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. We got GM of NXT. You cannot. We're not doing NXT right now. I have to wait on NXT. I can't. I mean, it would make sense to do it now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why don't you want to do it now? You just want to rip the band-aid off and do it? Why I what what band-aid? Maybe I liked it. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You're nothing. right. You don't you're know you're right. I, I don't know if, if right. you sat down on Sunday night with a bowl of chili and, and watched NXT Vengeance Day from the yeah. F N M Bank Arena in Clarksville, Texas, and said, ah, that was a great wrestling show. I'm glad I watched that. Much like Marina Shafir, you don't know me. Yeah. You went, ah, I, I thought Lola Vice had it there. Ah, darn it. <laughs> so yeah. close, but so Lola far. Lola Vice. Let's do Vengeance Day. All right, fine. NXT Vengeance Day. Sunday. Clarksville, so, Tennessee. F&M Bank Arena. Clarksville, Tennessee, you say? Uh-huh. Isn't that the home of Crimson's indie promotion? Uh, 
that was once affiliated with the NWA. The hell is the name of that? You program? tell me, man. I don't know. Crimson. I didn't know he had a. Crimson sure you N- do. Old Anthony Mayweather from the <laughs> NWA. Yeah. What was his? Uh, I don't know. Did he have one? Of course he did. They hosted the pop-up pay-per-view, the pop-up event a number of years ago. Remember? I don't you remember see, that. You are really I'm being exposed I, as no, a, I have let a it all fake go. fangirl with the it, NWA. It's all gone You're, away. It's all gone away, man. I'm done. I just, I, I'm, I'm good. I don't need it anymore. You, you don't, you know, I, you've been exposed. You don't know nearly as much about the NWA as I thought you did. I know. I pretended for, owns, for a long time. I pretended to know the NWA. And, you and, did. And it's, it's now showing that, that I was just lying. Crimson Anthony. Crimson Anthony Mayweather was the promoter of tried and true pro wrestling. And um, quite frankly, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know who you are. I don't know who tried I Tried and true? Anymore. Is this that the, the that, yeah, this, I don't remember that at all. This is the second week in a row that it's like, I don't even know who I got you the are. Wrong, you I got Kylie and Kenzie Page mixed up. Now you're. Yeah, you don't you don't seem to know anything about the NWA, and I thought you were like me, an NWA aficionado. And it's just all I'm saying is it's a little disappointing. That's all. That's all. This show uh, slow to a crawl. Let's get things moving. Let's get. Yeah, we got a lot to talk. About. Yeah, we got an hour here. NXT Vengeance Day. Uh, let's go to the. Well, I think we have to talk about the opener and the main event kind of together. I think it's probably the best way to do this. So. Freeville did not know what was going on in on this particular show. Trick Williams, of course, uh, teams with Carmelo Hayes in the opener, the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Final uh, against Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker. But then he also had an opportunity at the NXT Championship. So, of course, he took them both uh, in the same night. So he faced Ilya Dragunov in the main event uh, for the NXT Championship. But then on the opener, had to fight with uh, his Tag team partner Carmelo Hayes against Baron Corbin and Brown Breaker. So I did the double duty here, and um, I will say one of these matches was really good, and one of them I thought was fucking horrible. And uh, I thought this tag team match was fucking horrible. They, I don't know what you thought of this match, but I, nobody could do anything right in this match. Everybody fucked up every single spot they tried. Trick tried like seven neck breakers, and all of them failed. Braun Breaker was about the only guy here, which is wild to say this, that Braun Breaker was like the one guy that I thought held this match together because I thought Baron sucked, I thought Carmelo sucked, and I thought Trick sucked, and I thought this was an, an atrocious match. I think this thing sucked. This was a painfully dull match, and then they had this closing stretch where they had all these intricate spots planned out, and then those were all done very poorly. So, yeah, I thought this match was terrible. I, I Yeah, for a lot of the reasons you laid out, and plus – before the match fell apart and before we had all the messy spots, I thought that um, the match was just painfully dull and there was nothing going on. I mean, this was like a one and a half star match. This was not good at all. And this show was not off to a good start. No, no. Rich, and, and like you said, they wanted really intricate stuff to happen and they wanted this guy to do here and this guy to have this and this guy do this move. And this guy, they had a lot of stuff planned out, a lot of stuff ready to go. And like you said, none of it looked good and all of it was a disaster. Uh, and the end result was Braun Breaker about to do a spear to Trick Williams, but then Carmelo Hayes kind of moved Trick out of the way and took the spear himself and then got pinned for the one, two, three. So Carmelo got the loss, and then later in the night, Trick was like, why'd you take that spear for me, Carmelo? And Carmelo's like, I did it because you have an NXT championship opportunity later in the night or whatever. And it's like, okay, great. So the idea here is that Carmelo put himself in front of Braun to save Trick Williams, but as we see at the end, it was all just a ploy. Terrible, typical, terrible, overdramatic NXT bullshit is what it was. But, um, yeah, the match wasn't any good. Um, current rating on cage match. 
seven for mm. this opening tag team match. Three and a half star match, according to the inmates, with the NXT inflation that we often see on Cage Match, which I would. I often feel like we have our own dedicated feed of of the lesser version of a show when I look at some right. of Right. You know, the problem ratings. is I don't watch live, so I think something must get changed in the replay. Next time, I will do it. I will watch NXT live, and then maybe I will be like these other people and find these matches incredible because, yeah, I watched, the, I watched it on, like, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, and, yeah, this match sucked. It was no good at all, so yeah, I'm kind of surprised to see that rating. So one of these yeah, times, I will align with the NXT, NXT universe uh, on Cage Match. Well, do you think people that watch NXT just don't know the difference between good wrestling and bad wrestling? They didn't hit any – they couldn't they, do moves. They kept falling over each other and missing awful. moves. Like, like at, I, at one I get, point, Corbin – at one point, Corbin bumped in the wrong direction for a cutter. Did That's what I'm saying. That? Right. Like, I, I, I get how – because there's going to be the, the Lyra Valkyria Roxanne Perez. They did – they opened their match with the worst Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero cosplay you've ever seen in your entire life. Doing like – Terrible. Like doing the fish out of water spots and the reversal, the reversal, the reversal, whatever. And like a bunch of people on Twitter were gifting like, ah, oh, Roxanne and Lyra are cooking or, oh, my God, this is incredible. And those people – because like – that looked fundamentally kind of sort of like what good wrestling looks like. So I, I guess, I, you know what I mean? Like I knew it sucked. Yeah. You knew it sucked. Everybody that knows anything about wrestling knows it sucked. But I think if you're an idiot or an imbecile and an NXT fan, you might think these ladies are cooking hashtag, you know, NXT vengeance was- day fire emoji or whatever. But like, um, but this match, they were fucking everything up. You can't think that these were these moves that they were fucking up and bumping the wrong way looked good. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 I understand sort of, kind of, maybe the Lyra Roxanne stuff. I cannot understand you thinking this match was any good. No, this match sucked. There's no other way to describe this match other than it was really boring, and then the closing stretch was messy and it sucked. So. Once again, we appear to be the ones that are out to lunch. 28. Oh, no, that was for the show. 28 people gave this show a rating of 10, <laughs> by the way. Um, which, which I, my God. But, uh, but yeah, no, the match, it, it, it wasn't any good. It, yeah, anyway, let's move on. So let's talk about the main event, though, because I think these are, are, are good to go back yeah, to back go here. Ahead. You go first. Uh, so Dragnoff and Trick Williams. I thought this was good but not great i saw a lot of people call this match great and call this like an unbelievable performance an elite level match and a great main event i thought it was pretty good i think i would stop at great i don't think i would go to great i thought Ilya was great in this i thought trick was very good in it they did a really good job of doing the kickouts and stuff and they'll kind of they, they but i'll say like the first I don't know, 12, 13 minutes of the match. I don't think anything really was happening. And Dragunov was doing a lot of like NXT mid-match promo bullshit that I don't really need to see him be like, is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted? And I'm like, just wrestle. Just fucking wrestle, man. I don't need you to tell me the story and shout out things or whatever. But then I will give them credit. The last couple of minutes were really good. The inclusion of Carmelo coming in there and, and, and you know, unintentionally hitting Trick Williams in the leg and then Trick kind of not selling it at all, but I guess we're just going to let that go because it's fine, whatever, it's NXT. And then, like, you know, them having a bunch of back and forths and Trick having some very, very creative kickouts and very last-minute kickouts and then Ilya having a last-minute kickout and and then, you know, just kind of playing it all up at the end. So I, I thought the finish was okay. We got a little bit of a ref bump that kind of sucked. And I thought the finish, like the actual, like, the, the guys both, you know, doing their knees, but Ilya hitting the knee a little bit higher than Trick was... Okay, but I don't know. I thought the the finish was just kind of meh. 
I thought the beginning was was not that great, and then there was like a really good five minutes in there. So I don't know if you want to call that great. I guess you can call it great, but I just thought this was okay. I I, I thought it was good, but I'm like three and a quarter stars is basically where I'm at with this thing. I went three and a half. I thought it was a good match. I you know I I love the accidental blood, and we got accidental blood from both guys as they were bonking heads and everything else at the start of the match, and there was a physicality to it, and I thought it was a good match. Um. It's being woefully overrated. I mean, it's at nine point zero. It's one of the on greatest match. matches of all time right now. Well, uh, it was. It was trending yeah. as one of the great. At, at one point this week, it was like nine point five something, and it was at one of the top twenty five matches in the history of, of pro wrestling. At one point on Cage Match, now it did settle to some degree, and I think it does have a chance to go below nine when it's all said and done. But um, you know, five days in, and, and it's still sitting at over nine, which is preposterous. This was not a four and a half star match. Okay, just not a chance. But it was a good match. It was probably the best match in the show. There was another match that I really liked that I guess we're going to get to in a minute. And it would be neck and neck with that match for for best match on the show. And then, you know, they did the big angle afterwards. And we knew they were going to do some kind of angle. I didn't think it was, like we talked about already, I didn't think it was particularly creative how they got to the turn here. Um, You know, but we knew something was coming and you know, Carmelo attacks him afterwards and, you know, Dragunov retains and, yeah, Dragunov is great. And, you know, he doesn't belong here. He belongs on the main roster, obviously. But, um, you know, he'll have to drop the title to somebody first. They'll build someone up to beat him and and then he'll move on. But, um, yeah, this was, a, this was a good match. And I think it's worth people's time if they don't typically watch NXT because all of Dragunov's matches have been good, and and you get a decent look at Trick Williams. I would say if you want to get a look at Trick Williams, watch this. Do not watch that opening tag. No, don't, no, no, no. Don't no, watch no. that. Yeah. Watch, watch this match if you want to get a feel for Trick Williams. And and look, I don't even think, you know, there were factors. Like, I thought all the accidental blood and the physicality of it, which may not have even have been intentional, helped the match. So from that standpoint, a lot of the reasons why I was entertained by this match weren't even the intent. So... It's kind of like a backhanded compliment when I say that, but you know, right, right, because Trick uh, got Trick got busted open in the opener because these guys were just all over the place and had no idea what they were doing, or whatever. But it ended up working, yeah. and then Ilya, I don't know if he was unintentional. I'm sure it was unintentional because obviously with that company it, it, it was. But like you're saying, because there was a bunch of fuck ups in the opening match, and because somebody stiffed somebody a little bit more in the in the in the main event, we actually got an upgraded match of of Ilya, you know, with blood all over his nose and Trick with blood all over his mouth or whatever, which ended up, you know. Helping the match, great a little visual. Bit. Yeah, so it ended up being a great visual that they kind of again sort of lucked into. It didn't. It wasn't really anything by design, but but it ended up actually working pretty well for them. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about tricks upside, and you know we don't have to do that every time we talk about them. But um, you know they're giving him a chance now, and he's going to be a focused featured guy on this show, probably for the next couple of years, and until they figure out whether he's someone that they could invest in moving forward. And, and, and I, he's someone that I would gamble on. I, you know, I think he's going to do, I think there's a chance that he could do well. So. And then uh, obviously, like you said, the Carmelo turn was, was, you know, he, he hugged him and said, ah, oh, no, man, no, you'd be proud of yourself. Keep your head up. You're my brother type of he thing. And, and yeah, the, then the, the little bug came and you're like, yeah, here we go. And then he goes from behind and then, takes out his knee and then hits him with a chair a hundred times. Couldn't just be like ten, yeah. like four times or a time. It had to be a thousand times to lose all, yeah. sort of. And then goes to the right. crowd, tells them to stick it up yours, and it's like, alright, we get it. You're real. Overkill. We got it, man. Yeah. You're real. It's alright. Like, yeah. But um, anyway, 
So that was that. And uh, again, a good main event. But yeah, I've seen some people call it like great or like a match of the year level type of thing. I I don't know if I can. Not even close. I can't get that far with that. This won't finish in the top 100 of our. You think it'll finish top 100? Um, We usually are pretty good at this. Top 100? No, I don't think it will. No, I don't think so either. It, first of all, it's well, those a mellow. Remember, match. everybody said those mellow and alien matches were were cooking, and they were going to be, and then like they yeah. did nothing on our countdown. You know, what I mean, just, just completely not, couple votes here. And yeah, there. yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'm telling you, this it's the NXT. You know, we always tie its cage match into these reviews because it's so funny. I just think the NXT voter on cage match is a different breed of fan. It's just I think they're just in their own little fucking universe, and. I don't think they're the same people voting on like all Japan triple crown matches or oh, even necessarily no, no, no. like AEW matches. And they just, I feel like they have their own scale at this point. That's what I have to tell myself. Cause I, these ratings are preposterous and we haven't even gotten to the most preposterous rating in my opinion. That one's coming up anyway. Go ahead. All right, so then the uh, let, let's now go. So we had the opener, obviously, the, the Dusty Rhodes yeah, Tag Team yeah. Classic match. Uh, the next matchup was a no-disqualification match. Finally, going to see some weapons here in NXT. I cannot wait. Dijak versus Joe Gacy. Dijak defeating Joe Gacy uh, after... Uh, so this is a weird one where I think I kind of liked parts of this match, but then I also thought it sucked. So I don't know what I think of this match. It, it, I thought these guys worked hard, but it's like hard to get excited about kendo stick shots and trash can lids and tables or whatever but i thought these guys worked kind of hard doing it so i i don't know where i'm at with this match it's like i kind of think it sucked but then i also kind of liked it i i don't know what, what, what maybe you can overrule me or, or figure out what what you thought of this thing and i can decide finally i thought it was really good okay so i, um, I, I am i right to be like i don't know what it was like i wanted to hate this match and i couldn't hate it at any point because i thought these guys worked so hard so I'm glad you kind of agree with me there because that's sort of where I, think I was. They were the, I, I, I think these were the two best workers on the show in this match, these two guys. Because Dragunov didn't have a vintage Dragunov night. Um, so I thought these two guys were the two best workers on the show. Obviously, both of them don't belong in a developmental territory. I mean, they're both seasoned pros. And yeah, let me ask you this. Do you think when Gacy dumped out the toy soldiers and the matchbox cars... Do you think that was because they were afraid to use Legos for copyright reasons? I didn't think of that, but yeah, that's not a bad idea. In this company, you know they, what I mean? They may have been because they didn't want everybody to be like, those are plastic blocks or whatever. What are they doing with plastic right. toy blocks? Right. Whereas you could just plastic say, oh, they're toy, toy building blocks. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, right. Where they just use like generic matchbox cars. And yeah, or maybe they thought it'd be interesting to have that be the car. Because I think it's a di- I've never seen that before. So maybe they just thought, hey, you know what? Everybody does the fucking the Legos Lego now. Spot. Yeah, screw the, the Lego, Lego spot. spot. Let's do let's do Matchbox spot. I like it. I actually kind of appreciate Have that. Have they ever used Legos in WWE? I can't it's remember. It's a great question. I don't know. I don't know if they ever did. I don't think so. They might be terrified of the sponsorships. Maybe they have a conflicting sponsor. Oh, they they like do. That. They're with uh, Mattel or whatever, right? So maybe. That's what I'm saying. So it, I just thought it was weird that they didn't use Legos. They used like alternate to Legos. And I was thinking about that as I was uh, watching the match. But um did you see Dijak leaked to Sean Ross Sapp that his contract's coming up? <laughs> He's trying to get the get the the, yeah. the hot stove season yeah. piping yeah. hot for Donovan Dijakovic. Yeah, okay, all right. He's poking the coals with the, yeah. with the hot poker, right? He's poking the coals, making sure everybody knows that uh, it's contract season for him in a couple months. 
I like Dijak. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's a. Uh, I feel like he's someone who they could have done more with. Oh, he's his time. way too good to be in in, in developmental. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah, kind of my when thought. I mean, roster. He was in like the fucking Antifa group. What the hell was that called? <laughs> uh, Retribution or Red, Red, a, yeah, whatever was, the fuck they were called, going, right? T bar. Yeah, yeah, he was T bar. He was T bar. T bar. No, it wasn't T bag. I believe it was T bar. But all right, he was Rusty Trombone. He was uh, Cincinnati Bowtie. Whatever he was. You know, but he was uh yeah, retribution, right? Wasn't that their name? Yeah, he was uh Cleveland Steamer. Cleveland Steamer, yeah, yeah. Right? That's what he was in the retribution group. But um Yeah, Mace, Slapjack, Reckoning, Retaliation, Mustafa Ali, and then Teabag. Or uh what'd you call him? Teabag. <laughs> Cleveland <laughs> Steamer. Yeah, that's Cleveland Steamer, Cincinnati Bowtie, Rusty Trombone. Um He was Donkey Punch in Retribution. That's what he was. He was the Donkey Punch. He, uh, yeah, they, they, they ever do any, I don't know. I think he's a really talented guy and he's got good size and he's been with the company now. Don't look it up. Are you looking it up? I'm not. I can't actually look stuff up. I, I think because our earlier stream issue, I'm very nervous to look anything up on my computer. So I'm gonna, right. how long do you think he's been with the company? I would Three say he there. signed there in 2019. He's been with the company eight years. <laughs> I mean, they just don't do anything with anyone. I mean, if you can't figure out what to do with this guy by now, isn't it time to just cut bait? Eight years? I mean, really. Like, I don't want anyone to lose their job. You know, I guess it's like a prerequisite. You have to say that or people think you're an asshole, right? But it's like, he's leaking that his contract coming up. So he obviously isn't pleased with his current situation. So, um... I don't know. I, I think he'd be a great addition to AEW. I mean, I don't know if he's someone I'd push to the top, but he could have really great matches with a lot of people there. And if he had the right motivation, I'd I'd like to see him wrestle anywhere. I think he's got good motivation. Do a lot of cool shit. I think he's got good motivation. He's still out there working his ass off. And that, that's one of the things that I, I noticed about that guy is, and that's something I noticed in this match. I was like, this guy is still busting his ass here, and he doesn't have to. He's in some bullshit, no disqualification match with Joe Gacy on the brand that he's been on for eight, now I guess eight years. He's still, and he still worked really hard and took some hellacious bumps throughout this. So the motivation still seems to be there, and I guess he's still, you know, like I said, I can't look it up. Do you, how old is he at this point? Because I remember he was like younger than people thought, but now it's been eight years, so now I don't know. Maybe he's like... T-Bone is uh, 36 years old. 36. <laughs> you know, that's, you still got a couple years in you. Still got a couple years in you at 36. He's not in his he's 40s. He's got to move on. They're never pushing him. No, 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 no. It's over. He's he's never getting pushed there. So he's right for putting out the feelers. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. Let's move on. We got a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. So we had some other segments here uh, as well. I'm trying to get to the segments because I have a rant about one of these segments, but I don't remember when the segment came about. So we'll... Uh, Ah, just wedge it in whenever you're comfortable. I'll, I'll wedge it in when I feel comfortable. I believe it was after. It doesn't the, have to be chronological. No I, one's. Uh, <laughs> you, hey, Rich, ninety percent of the people listening didn't watch the show. They, didn't they watch don't the know what this <laughs> they did. Well, it's not the right time for this rant because right now we're putting over Dijak and Gacy, and we put over you know Ilya. Yeah, yeah timing's everything. Right, timing's so I'm going to find a good time to bring this up because it's something I hate. And I'm going to rant about it for 45 minutes. So, uh, I right, hey, this is a good. Sp- Good way to get it started here. The D'Angelo family, Tony D'Angelo, Channing, Stax Lorenzo, and Adriana Rizzo, your brothers, Joe, the D'Angelo family, versus Out the Mud, Lucian Price, Bronco Nima, and Jada Parker with scripts, of course, 
Out the Mud versus the D'Angelo family. A six-person mixed tag team match. Uh, this was not very good. Adriana Rizzo and Jada Parker are not good at all. No, they are not. And Rizzo nearly killed Jada Parker like three times, just landing on her face. Just doing these, she's bouncing all over the rings, doing all this sort of shit, and just landing on people's faces. At one point, she just kicks Jada Parker in the face and then rotates over and lands on her face. I'm like, Jesus Christ, can anybody know how to work? Do any of the women in this company know how to work at all? No, the answer no. is no. The answer this is, is a no. Horrible but you have, women's the women the women's division in the, in NXT is is so bad. But they're working it's like so fucking bad. CMLL on a Friday night or whatever, like Arena Mexico. It's like I don't. Yeah, Norman I know. Smiley I don't watches it. CMLL and brings the tape and says, "All right, guys, do this." And it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe be better before we start doing you know topes and, and and shit like that. Like maybe learn how to run the ropes or throw a punch or kick or something before we learn how to do fucking topes or cannonballs in the corner and stuff. It's just like. It's wild the amount of stuff that they had these people do, and they're completely untrained. But yeah, this was this is brutal. It's not good at all. Not a good match. You know it wasn't good because even the cage match cycle was only gave it a five point oh eight. So yeah, there's not much to say about. There it. really wasn't. You know, yeah, it happened. It's over. And it was bad, and let's all move on. The people that were bad were bad. The people that are okay were okay, and it's just a totally forgettable, not good match. Uh, then we had the. NXT Women's Championship match, complete with growling ring announcer explaining Lyra Valkyrie. <laughs> Roxanne Perez, who uh, who has altered her 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 outlook. Uh, you, you're not going to believe it, Joe. She's a whole new person this month. Um, yeah. she's completely motivated by her her pa- uh, her past issues, and she's ready to turn a new corner and be a new person and a new Roxanne Perez. Uh, and you're barely going to recognize her. From where she was a year ago, uh, here in this match against Lyra Valkyria. Uh, so, like I said, they started the match off having the absolute dirt fucking worst second week of pro wrestling school Malenko versus Guerrero tribute spot where they're just. It wasn't even Malenko Guerrero. It was like they were chain wrestling. Okay, and the problem is neither one of them seem like they know what they're doing, and it was they were kind of like waiting for the like they one person would do a reversal then the uh, they wait around for what felt like an hour for the other person to do a counter and it felt like it was just happening underwater at 0.75 speed and there was no oomph to it there was no confidence in what they were doing it was they were both felt it both it seemed like they were both thinking really hard like mm-hmm. okay what do i do here where do i put my legs do i do a break and it there was just no flow. There was no snap. It's uh, and they're checking the box. They're checking like, the box of what the next spot is. It doesn't matter if it's organic or yeah. it makes sense or it works or it's done fluidly. It's like, all right, Lyra did uh, you know a a a, a roll, and now Roxanne's going to come and do a, a bridging pin. But then, oh wait, no, Lyra's going to reverse out of it and then do her bridging pin, and then Roxanne's going to bridge out of that and then do her thing. And it's just like no but, no no sense of struggle at all. No. in any of it. And um, it, it was just uh, lifeless and slow. And even though it was slow and deliberate and careful and obviously practiced, they still lost each other two or three times yep. somehow, despite the fact that there was no crisp, there's no speed or no, there's no sense of struggle. There's no, you know, cause a lot of times when guys are, are, are when you have two people in there that are excellent mat wrestlers, sometimes they'll like semi shoot on each other. 
You know what I mean? Like, they'll go in there and they'll grab. They'll grapple. They'll grapple. They'll They'll grapple. They'll roll. Yeah. Yeah. If if you've ever done amateur wrestling, you've ever done MMA. Yeah. yeah, You'll you'll roll. You'll just go in there and roll. They go in there and roll. And they might, because it's works, they might give up a limb or cooperate a little. But essentially, they're in there grappling, you know? And, like, if you watch Brian Danielson and Hechicero from Collision a couple weeks ago, or if you watch um, Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. from New Year Dash last month when they opened up uh, the, the main event eight-man tag. Now, okay, you're probably saying, Joe, how can you compare Roxanne Perez and Laya Valkyria to Brian Danielson or Hechicero or Zack Sabre Jr.? Well, I don't know. They're on TV and they're on a major pay-per-view and they're doing it. So I'm going to judge what they're doing. I, you know, I do I expect them to be as good as Brian Danielson and Hechicero, two of the best chain wrestlers on the fucking planet who have ever stepped into a ring. No, but do I expect them if they do this shit to be competent at it? Yeah. I think the floor is competency if you're going to do it and they're not competent. It looked like fucking dog shit. It looked terrible. It looked fucking terrible. Right. No one's telling them they and, have to do this. Like, they're, uh, uh, right, <laughs> they don't, don't have do to do, do it if you're not you good at do. it. Yeah. Right. Look, it's the, it's what we talk about all the time in NXT. We talked about in a previous match. Why do these inexperienced wrestlers try these wild fucking flying moves that they cannot do? Why in the opener did those guys in the final five minutes do all of this overambitious stuff and they don't, they don't even know what direction to bump in? Why, if you're, if you're not good at chain wrestling, do you get in there and chain wrestle for the first three or four minutes and make an absolute fool of yourself? This wasn't good. They looked awful. It looked like, like you said, third week of wrestling school where all they've taught you so far was to exchange holds. And you're doing it in a very careful way because you're afraid to hurt the other person. Right, right. You're afraid to hurt yourself. Or I've seen a lot, sure what a lot of schools to... will do is they'll have guys go in the ring. And what they'll do is they, they, they'll, they'll shout out that like the coach will shout out the next move. And you're supposed to figure out how to transition from whatever move you're in to whatever the next move is. And usually they'll do they'll do stuff like this. All right, Bridge. All right, our German. All right, you know, just kind of stuff like that. And you're supposed to kind of quickly figure out what the next move is going to be and how to make it look fluid and how to make it work out. So it's a good drill to do. But this is what we were watching a drill play out on you know in front of a <laughs> an arena on you know Peacock. So sorry, I, I, I'm going to call it like I see it. Listen, the other thing is you. Here's how you know neither one of them are good at this they're not offering any worked resistance to each other. No, They're just doing things to each other and neither is offering any kind of worked resistance or any kind of sense of struggle. And they're not really selling the holds and they're just moving from one thing to the next. Like right, and the crowd's making no noise. The crowd's making no noise. The by crowd the way. is dead, dead for this because it's bad. It's bad. And also here's the other thing. These NXT crowds have now been taught to just, High spot, high spot, flashy high spot, flashy right, high spot, right, flashy right. fucking springboard, fucking. And now you have two people in there doing chain wrestling, and they're not good at it, and it's slow as shit, and they're they 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 lose each other like two or three times and have to regather and reset because even as slow and deliberate as they're going, they can't handle what they're doing. It stinks. Roxanne Perez, for someone who came in with a lot of hype, and I was never on that train. And I had seen her live with my own eyes in Texas. Okay? Somehow she's gone backwards. I don't even think it's debatable. She's like getting worse. She's like the Benjamin Button of developmental wrestlers. She gets worse. She is getting, she is, she is regressing quickly. She isn't any good. And then 
you have this Lola Vice come in with the world's worst cash in. Okay, well, yeah. So, so, in. yeah. So we have this match happening, and it's like ten minutes in. Roxanne hits some sort of move on Lyra. It, it doesn't feel like the finish. Nobody buys that it's the finish. Nobody thinks it's the finish. And all of a sudden, Lola Vice's music hits, and you have no idea what Lola Vice's music sounds like. By the way, anybody listening no, to this, this is. it's just like Roxanne Perez, and they're like, "Oh!" And Vic Joseph goes, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "What? I don't know what's going on here." And they're like, "Oh, Lola." is cashing in her breakout tournament championship opportunity and i'm like oh my god and this is why and people got mad at us about this this is why we ranted and raved about christian and kill switch doing the cash in thing the cash in is wwe bullshit 101 let them have it they do it all the fucking time they overdo it it never means anything anymore it's so dumb let them do the cash in shit be better do something different don't do the cash in shit let that be wwe bullshit and let it stay in this dumb company in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, I'm setting these things off. It's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, I mean, and and this cash-in didn't make any sense because it's not like the champion was in a precarious position or no. anything. She just wanted to come in and make it a three-way. Right, and, and even Wade Barrett pointed and, that out. He's like, I don't know about Lola Weiss's uh, timing with this one. It didn't seem like either woman was in a precarious position. Do I? You know? And it didn't. Like, and it Roxanne her, was fine. It looked like a geek. Yeah, Roxanne you know? was perfectly it, fine. She was hitting moves and winning, and Lyra had taken, like, one bump, and that was it. And then that's when Lola Weiss came in. It's like she didn't come in when both women were absolutely just destroyed. She came in like the middle of the match and then wrestled and then lost anyway, <laughs> then lost the match. Yeah. And Lola Vice is another one. She throws like these spinning roundhouse kicks that always are like oh. softer than pillows and they just look bad. And man, I, I have to say. This was my least favorite match on the entire show. I thought this was absolute. Dog oh, shit. Uh, I thought this was a brutal, brutal. I thought it was a fucking dud. I thought it was it was just awful. And then. I pull up the old cage match. And oh, no. See, this is the mo- to me, oh, no. Don't do this. I can't. I can't. This is the most egregious rating on the entire show because, all right, the main event has over nine. I get why people liked it, though. This, I don't understand even what people liked. And this has a 7.63 rating, the second best match on this show. And I cannot wrap my fucking head around this because this was fucking amateur hour. This was amateur hour. This was the kind of match where if I'm running NXT, I'm having a hard conversation with these three. And I'm like, look, we have to be better. Roxanne, I don't know what's going on with you. No more chain wrestling for you guys ever again until you prove you can do it. And, you know, this is just bad. But, again, maybe I'm getting an alternate feed of these fucking shows. 7.63 for this slop. For these people who don't look like they're barely out of training, which in Lola Vice's case, she is barely out of training. But the other two have been at it for years and years, right? Oh, I yeah. I guess not years and years, but uh, Rox- uh, about- uh, Roxanne's been, she's got to be four or five years at this point. And I think Lyra's, she was in Europe Valkyria's for a little bit as well. Been in, Valkyria's been in the company for five years. Right, right. You know, and then she was um, in Europe. Before that, so she's been around because she had that impronounceable first name. Iofi or whatever, but it's like Stephanie somehow. It's like A-I-O-F-E, but it's it's pronounced Stephanie. uh, It's A-O-I-F-E, which is Iofi or something. But it's one of them Irish names where, yeah, it's like Jennifer. (laughs) Yeah, so um, or Leslie or something. And it's like, what? Um, But they pivoted from that to make it something a little easier. But yeah, she's been around. And Roxanne Perez, uh, you know, she's a kid. I mean, she's probably 21 or 22 years old. I guess she started in 2018. I was going to she say, she's, be better been, than she's, this. Been, she's been wrestling yeah, for a while. Right. She's been wrestling yeah, for a while. She's been wrestling since she's a teen. You're right. She should be better than this. And um, at this point, it really feels like she's going backwards. I thought this match was the absolute shits and the worst match on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is a great segue to the thing I am going to rant and rave about for a while here. So it was either after this match or the next match. We will. Uh, so throughout the uh, throughout this show, 
we had some just horrible, horrible segments backstage. Just awful, awful segments. We had the Chase U signing their calendars. They're they're doing a calendar to save the university, Joe. And um, you have your least favorite character on Earth shaking and, and, and yelling and moving her eyes around or whatever. And then JC Jane is is the one that's can't come up with a calendar and they're all signing all of chase you signing this calendar or whatever then at one point some fucking dude wh- who is this guy's name that came up and asked uh, about if, uh, for her to be a valentine it, it's just like well what what it. are we doing here who cares colin delaney i don't know who it was it was just some guy <laughs> colin, colin delaney, <laughs> colin delaney. I, I don't know i don't know who it was yeah, <laughs> what's this guy's name i don't even remember but anyway junk, it, I don't know. it was just awful because he's like uh will you be uh uh, my Valentine or whatever, and then yeah, your your girl is just like, oh, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's just like, what is this? What am I watching? Why am I watching this or whatever? So they're setting their dumb calendar. Who cares? Chase you, move on. Um, then we get Kiana James and Izzy Dame, Izzy Dame, who is uh, apparently just yeah. Tiffany Stratton. 2.0 that's i guess the gimmick because we're just doing the exact same thing where she's like i don't really like anybody here <laughs> like what is this what am i watching what is this shit so kiana's still like a businesswoman i guess uh she's doing this segment either from her like the backyard of her estate does she still own fallon henley's bar or did that that's over that's over with okay because i was gonna say could this could have potentially been the outdoor patio of Fallon Henley's bar, but but it wasn't. So so Kiana James is there on her laptop being like, we need to figure out how we're going to beat the women of NXT so I can get the NXT championship or whatever. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Um, but Joe, something happened in this. The, thank you, the swink, Riley Osborne. You see how I got Colin Delaney? His name was Riley Osborne. That's why you need the swink. That's why you need. That's why, and he hasn't time. been able to come to the live chats in a while, but that's why you get the swink here because he gets in with the, the Riley Osborne. Um, here, but so you have Kiana James with her laptop typing away feverishly, like the way you do it. If you are making it obvious, you're like, oh yeah, I will pretend like I'm doing something. But she's just typing a lot, right, right. and it's like, what are you typing? There's a lot of typing going on. Like, and she's like, we need to figure out how to stop these women of NXT so I could become the NXT Women's Champion or whatever. So they're 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 at this. Uh, apparently, you're supposed to think they're in an estate or something like that, and they have wine glasses on the table. And Joe, this is what I'm going to rant about for 45 minutes. It's not going to be 45 minutes. We have too much else to do. They can't do anything in this company right. It's just the wine glasses are filled with water. How do you know it's water? It's not white wine and it's not red wine. It was water. It was clear. Unless you could find me, unless it was Zima. Unless it was flat Zima, I don't know what. You can't have these people getting bombed on the set of the NXT pre-tapes, right? They could sip a little wine. You could put some wine. They don't have to drink the wine. Don't fill a wine glass with water. It doesn't have to be a clear liquid. You can get like an apple juice in there. That's what I'm saying. An apple juice. Uh, A grape juice. Grape juice looks just like red wine. Throw a grape juice in there. Pour some fucking champagne. Sparkling grape juice looks just like champagne. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, it's just a setting. It's just a setting. That's fine. They just put two glasses and filled it with water and that's fine. Then when the segment ends, they lift up their glasses, they cling them together and they start drinking like they're drinking water. (laughs) But it works for the fact that this is a fucking Nickelodeon show, right? 
Yeah, yeah. It's it a is. Nickelodeon it's like a Disney show. Channel show. It's a Disney yeah, Channel it's... show. So I was like, right. They yeah. wouldn't have them drink alcohol because this is a, is a show for nine-year-olds watched by 56-year-olds, right? Yes. It's yes. a show for nine-year-olds that only 56-year-olds who are whacking off to Lola Vice are watching, and that's the show. Right. But I'm watching it for some reason, and I don't know why I'm watching it. So they cling their glasses together and drink their water out of their wine glasses, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I hate this so much. Everything about NXT is so <laughs> just fill the glasses. Somebody thought about that too, right? You know, someone put a wine, a, a glass on the table, and said, oh, hmm. "Yeah, we got to fill it with water. We don't want anybody to think you're drinking. <laughs> just don't do the wine glasses." Oh, so your theory is they it's water on purpose because they don't even want to pretend to be drinking. I don't know alcohol. what it was. I don't know, or they just don't make any sense at all. I I, I have no idea, but like. I, I think Keanu James could have a sip of wine doing a pre-tape. Nah, you can't get drunk taping these. They're not going to get drunk on a, a sip of wine. You don't know how many takes this this is. <laughs> okay. You're taking, you're no, taking Michael take, Hickenbottom's side. I can't believe this. They might have to drink the whole box by the time that's they're fine. done. You know. They're adult women. They can handle it. It's not the first box can of wine. That's, that's not the first box of wine that Keanu James and Izzy Dame have taken down. I'm sure of it. Do you want women getting drunk around Michael Hickenbottom? Not really, no, actually. Now that you mention it. Well? You're right. Start to see it your way. <laughs> perhaps this was more responsible. <laughs> right. I guess I'm now starting to see it your way. Yeah, especially after the, the uh, maybe that's what they did. They filled it with wine. They said, well, after the events of the last week, you know, maybe you guys should just drink water in case. To... Uh, Jordan Smith well, in Noto Chapman says, fill the glasses with chocolate milk and bendy straws. <laughs> <laughs> you who <laughs> or have Lola Vice squirt the Hershey's syrup into her <laughs> bendy straw <laughs> <laughs> it's so good but it just works yeah uh, NXT is the Nickelodeon show man I don't, so... I don't know what to tell you this show fucking sucks it's so bad Look, to and me, people will tell you it's good. Around, people are going to tell bro. you, and we have to watch these shows and tell people it's there not. Are, there are forty-eight-year-old men who will tell you that they're devoted. They think this show's great, and they watch it every week. Um, I, I look. I'm on record. This is the worst pro wrestling show I have ever seen. NXT, the weekly NXT show. It's the worst. It, it's the worst elements of everything. I. It, it's baffling to me that anyone enjoys this. That isn't a small child um oba femi took on dragon lee and we had another dragon lee working at half speed with someone who can't keep up with him match <laughs> why did we hire uh, dragon lee i don't know this could be anyone i don't i don't know why you needed dragon lee if this is what you were going to do with dragon lee i mean he just you hot you hire dragon lee and then you don't let him be dragon lee i don't understand it I don't know. He hasn't had a great match yet, right? He, no, I don't think so. No. Some I, of I the don't. Heritage Cup stuff, maybe? Um, <sighs> Let me look. I don't, I don't know. Had, uh, I don't know if they've been that good. What about the match with Butch? Didn't he have a match with Butch? I don't know if I saw on, that uh, one. Maybe that one. I didn't see that one. That sounds like it's good. That sounds like it should be good. I saw it. It was, it was pretty good. It, I can't call it great. It was on SmackDown. Let me pull up his cage match. I'm trying to think. No, that's not going to um, help us. 
why wouldn't it help us? Well, I mean, like if the ratings, I, I don't know if you're going to look at the ratings because I was going to say if the ratings are. There, no, I just yeah. want to look at his mat and see if any of them refresh my memory as something that may have been good. Um, what about the match with uh, Nathan Frazier and the Heritage Cup? That's one that I. Oh, you know what? I, that that one was good. That that was a good match. That's probably that was good. Unless no, I'm no, no, that that one. that was that was good. If it's the match I'm thinking of, it it was pretty good. Yeah. So, but I don't, know if, I'm, that, I don't though, know if I'm signing Dragon Lee for one pretty good match against Nathan Frazier. I mean, he's been in some multi man matches that were okay. But yeah, mostly he's in matches with guys and he's just like working down to their level. And I, I don't. And we say it all the time with NXT. What's perplexing is they have Adriana Rizzo doing Arena Mexico spots and then Dragon Lee right. slowing things down and working the ground right. game. It's like, exactly. It what? doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the one guy capable of doing all the things that all these women are doing and doing doing them incredibly well, better than anybody on earth. You have him working, you know, headlock spots with Obafemi, and then you have Adriana Rizzo doing, you know, springboard topes and landing on people's faces on the way down and just destroying, you know, orbital bones. It's like, all right, fine, whatever. Who cares. NXT Vengeance. Day. You know, one thing about this match too is they were they were making it out like Obafemi was like just utterly destroying this man, and he really wasn't. The commentary was making it out like like Dragon Lee's life was in danger. <laughs> I was like, this isn't that much of a beatdown. Like like they're making it out like like uh, who was on commentary here? Who was it? The, was uh, Wade? It was Wade because Booker had Wade. something. I forget it was some medical thing or something. So Booker couldn't be there. So it was Wade and Vic Joseph. At one point, Barrett's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dragon Lee, he might be in there with a broken spine. And I'm like, why? <laughs> he, took a, he took a clothesline. It's all right. It's They're just a- having a match. Like, I didn't even feel like Obafemi was, you know, it, this is one of those situations where the announcers are given a story to tell. Right. The story of the match is that Obafemi is going to destroy and kill Dragon Lee. Right. But then the work in the in the ring doesn't match the story because, like, Obafemi is like had 20 matches in his life and he just wasn't doing an effective job of, of working to the story that they told him to work mm. to. And I think he's got potential, the, by the way, I, I think he's, he's, he's somebody do, I think is going to get somewhere. But, yeah. He looks the part, but, but the announcers have to be these robots and push the story they're told to push. So you have dragon Lee just selling like these basic moves and, and you have Wade Barrett acting like Wade Barrett acting like, Dragon Lee's on the verge of death. And he's like, and then Vic Joseph's like, I, I, Wade, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't be surprised if the referee waves this one off. I'm like, why? This doesn't even look like a devastating beating. You know, it just looked like a, a, a run of the mill match. It didn't look like any kind of special beat down he was giving them. So that's one of the flaws in this company, too, where everyone's got to stick to the script, even if it doesn't match what's in front of your fucking eyes. Right. And it's like, that's bad. That means it's a bad show. That means it's the, the match is bad. The commentary's bad. And it means this isn't good. So, you know, why do people think this shit is good? There's like these massive glaring flaws in five out of the six matches on this show. Or four out of the six matches, whatever. And every time they have one of these, we have to hear about how great these shows are. 
8.27 on Cage Match. 8.27. This has a higher rating Whoa. than like, the collision from two weeks ago. <laughs> what? Yeah. 8.27. With some of the worst wrestling you'll see in, in like Major League Wrestling. I don't even know if it breaks me anymore. It's just I I don't I don't. No, know. now now it's a duty. It's a duty to watch these and let the world know how terrible these it's shows the are. The truth of what right. these shows really are. I, I don't dread it anymore. I I I feel it's it's our our yeah our our, our duty our, our our actual duty to come on here and watch these shows so that other people don't watch them and then really explain what's going on here because you might. You might from afar think <laughs> this is good or, you know, your favorite podcaster is telling you all about how great NXT is and how it's great at storytelling and developing characters and all that sort of stuff. And it's not. It's terrible. It's a bad wrestling show. It's it's bad porn level acting. The wrestling is bad. The commentary is bad. Everything is bad. It sucks. Terrible show. They're all like all the all the pre-tapes and stuff. They're like cartoon. They're one note cartoon characters. Every person here. Um. It's just a gross fucking show. I hate it so much. Puts me in a bad mood to even talking about it. Like, <laughs> That's why I didn't want to do it. I wanted to wait to talk about it. Fucking but... horse shit is what it is. NXT. 8.27 for 8. this fucking 2. show. 8.27 for Vengeance. I show. A show like I will a... never think about ever again. I give it like a 3 out on of 10. A, yeah. On a scale of 10, this is like a 4, this fucking show. You know, like I can't go much lower than that with the main event. And I really, and I did like the no DQ match. Yeah, like three or four, maybe. This is easily a below average show. This is, you know, this is not an average pro wrestling show. It's not, it wasn't good enough to be an average pro wrestling show, let alone like better than Collision's been. Are you fucking kidding me? 8.27 for this shit? For Jada Parker falling all over herself? (laughs) That is NXT. Alana Rizzo or whatever the fuck her name is. Adriana Rizzo. Adriana. Atlanta Rizzo's from MLB uh, Network. This is Adriana Rizzo. This is Adriana Rizzo. Yes, yes, yes. All <laughs> right. That is Vengeance Day. Let's let's never speak of it ever again. Uh, let's talk about TNA, Joe, because uh, Scott Demore, the president of TNA, was relieved of his duties uh, earlier this week, and his contract was terminated. Felt like a little bit out of nowhere, but we're going to talk about the story here a little bit. Uh, so here's a little bit of the background for people that do not know what happened. So rumors uh, are still kind of f- swirling about the reasons why, and we have maybe some exclusive details that we could talk about uh, of what happened there. But essentially, Anthem is sticking to the PR line that, quote, this move better aligns TNA with Anthem's goals. That That's sort of just PR speak uh, that they've said. So uh, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer speculated that perhaps a different philosophy in budget and spending led to the dismissal, he said on Observer Radio. Uh, he'd always been, he being Scott Moore, had always been trying to get a bigger budget, and he'd always been rebuffed. So the idea here is that, you know, he tried to get a bigger budget, he was maybe spending above his means, and they said, all right, pal, you gotta go. That's kind of what Dave was sort of speculating, not necessarily reporting, but speculating. Now, Mike Johnson, who's been on top of this story uh, from day one and, and had the story, like a minute after TNA said that this is happening, Mike Johnson posted a very long piece all about it. So obviously he either knew about this or was holding the story or was a main source of it or whatever. But he kind of clarified this in a report today. Mike Johnson, a PW insider, said, quote, uh, the head of Anthem, Len Asper and Scott Demore came to a crossroads regarding TNA's operations moving forward and Asper won the war. Johnson said that Demore approached Anthem also with an offer to buy TNA and Demore had backed this offer up with, quote, a letter with a major banking institution, uh, although Anthem turned down Demore's offer 
and then uh, told him a couple weeks ago that this was happening. And Johnson does, did state that DeMore knew for about a week or so that this was going to happen. So it wasn't a total surprise for him, even if it was a total surprise for us. Now, that's why Mike Johnson had the whole story ready to go, because he knew this was coming. DeMore knew it was coming. Impact knew or TNA knew it was coming. Anthem knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when they announced it. They announced it. Johnson had his report. And then we were all kind of piecing everything together from there. But regardless, president of TNA, Scott DeMore, no more. The new president is, I don't have my the link in front of me, some Italian dude, Antonio Sacconi or something like that, Anthony Sacconi. He's just a dude at Anthem, right? He's not like he's not a wrestling guy at all. He's just a guy from Anthem, if I remember correctly. No, he's a bean counter. So that's kind of the point of the story in that this, uh, let's get his name. It's Anthony. Let me see. If I, can I think it's Anthony Sacconi, right? Sacconi. Is that what we're going yeah, with yeah. for pronunciation? C I C I O N E. Sacone, maybe Sacone, Anthony Sacone. Wait, C I C I O N E. You Wait. should know this more than anybody. C I C I. Yeah. I, I have to see it. I don't know. So let's just go with Sacconi. I think it's Sacone or Sacconi. Um, I, I think I grew up with a kid named Sacone. But. It's Anthony Sacconi. He is uh, a suit from Anthem. So what they're doing here is they're bringing in a bean counter, which tells you all that really should tell you all you need to know. This they feel like there's budget issues and 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 TNA is losing money and they're out with the wrestling guy and in with the guy who's going to come in and try to make this thing lean and try to lose the least money possible. That's what this move is. And when you really think about TNA and their business structure, it's very obvious that they're not making money because they don't have a television deal. And that obviously is the number one driver of revenue in pro wrestling these days. So then how are they making money? Ticket sales. Well, we know that they barely sell any tickets, so that's minuscule. Sponsorships. TNA doesn't have a bevy of big-time sponsorships uh, at all, so we know that that's minuscule. International television deals. Well, we all know that's a running joke that places like TNA and MLW get all these international television deals, but none of them really amount to anything. You get a little exposure. You get a couple bucks, but there's very few big-ticket television deals outside of the United States unless you get extremely lucky in places like the U.K. or India or whatever, but they're not paying huge money for for america's third or fourth brand of wrestling so they're not bringing in a ton of money there you look at pay-per-view even a good tna pay-per-view is only doing a couple thousand buys maybe maybe ten thousand buys if they really do a tremendous job most of them are doing less than that so by the time you do the splits with the pay-per-view providers and everything else that's not a ton of revenue and then you have the streaming service rich how many people are subscribing to impact plus let's be uh, it's gotta be it's it. gotta be a my, uh, couple thousand tops, yeah if mean. that if that so and then you have to pay money to maintain impact plus so that's not even look and they redid the bottom it. Line and they is, redid it by the way too this is not the same as what impact plus was they redid it with this tna plus it's a whole new platform yeah, the bottom line here is you can see that without a television deal and with their minuscule ticket sales and pay-per-view buys, they're just not generating a lot of income. And uh, it's reflected in the production. I mean, you could see that it's a very low-budget production, okay? And that's probably was one of Scott DeMore's points of contention, needing more money to make this thing look like a major league product so that they could potentially score a television deal. But it's kind of a catch-22 because you're not – 
bringing in revenue. So you don't have money to spend. You're already losing money. And look, they have a major league roster. Okay, nobody's doubting that. This is absolutely a major league roster. This is not an NWA level roster where it's a sub major league roster. And, you know, they've got people who are making decent money there. You know, that you know, there's for the most part, most of that TNA roster are full-time wrestlers who are living off of their TNA salaries. These aren't weekend warriors who you're paying 50 bucks a shot like maybe the NWA is. So they've got some costs in terms of talent because you have to have major league talent. You have to have some people who can uh, you can attempt to sell some tickets with who can go in there and have good matches and and, and be real professionals. But the, the company just doesn't drive any revenue. So, uh, you know, when you read these stories, it's just a matter of they're putting a guy in place who's a suit from above who's going to try to see if they can lean this thing out. And and they're not going to make money without a TV deal. That's just not going to happen. But maybe you can lose less money and just keep this thing hanging on until maybe a buyer because we all a, a buyer for the television show. I mean, because they obviously don't want to sell it because if Mike Johnson's story is to be believed, they could have sold it to Scott Demore and he had the funding. And he had the backing, and they turned it down. So selling it is obviously not something they're interested in doing. Now I don't know why Demore would even want to buy it. What What are you buying? Unless he has, unless he knows he can get a TV deal, and if he knows he can get a TV deal, and he was like keeping that to himself, he deserves to be fired. So, so you know, I, I doubt that he knew he can get a TV deal. So he's crazy for wanting to. buy Yeah, it. that that would have been a wild idea. I mean, even with the idea that you're on access, like they they're not going to all of a sudden turn around now and start paying for TNA content. Exactly. Why, Why would they do they that? Pay for it when they have it for free now. Right. So they're like, you know? well, you can stay on our network, but we're certainly not going to pay you for it. And then that's a terrible investment for Scott Demore because you know it's it's easy for access to kind of justify it as a loss leader, a line item. Hey, we're getting content. We're we're paying X amount to get content or whatever. But whatever. This is Scott Demore putting his own money in there or putting another bank's money into this, as 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 Mike Johnson said. You know, a letter from a financial institute or whatever that, that or institution that he's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to buy this thing, but with no return on investment whatsoever. There's no way they're going to make any money back on that because a, I doubt he was going to be able to get any sort of substantial TV deal. I mean, we just saw what the NWA is dealing with right now, and impact is a little bit higher than the NWA. WA in terms of 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 reach or whatever, but who's gonna get, who who in this ecosystem right now? What's a channel right now that is look it has money burning in their pocket that's gonna pay for TNA to be on their weekly? I mean, there's nobody. I mean, let's let's face it. And this company would be dead if it wasn't for access. This company couldn't find a place for TV back eight nine years ago when cable was still a viable alternative. It was a viable, still not not necessarily thriving business, but still a viable business. It's way less viable now than it was. What what network out there is going to pay for 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 TNA content what, that didn't that had no interest in doing it nine ten years ago? You know when that company was dying on the vine uh, until Anthem came and and, and picked them up and and, and saved them, but. It's just yeah, it's it's very weird. What what my big question is is because it's obvious, like you said, that this is a sort of cost cutting bean counter, you know, whatever Anthem says. We this more closely aligns with Anthem's. You know, it's just basically saying we want this thing to be cheaper. And Demore was spending too much money or whatever. But there was also this thing where, at the end of last year, you know, starting with Bound for Glory, and that was the show that I was at when they when they decided we're bringing back TNA, we're going to bring back the TNA brand, and with that. They said, we're going to run bigger arenas. We're going to upgrade our production. We're going to rebrand everything. New ropes, new website, new streaming service, bigger venues, better cameras, better production, all this sort of stuff. Did he just do that without getting Anthem's blessing? Because we're only like a month or no, two into that not. quote-unquote investment. No, no, no. It's, I think that 
you know, he he he's not signing the checks. I mean, it's not like he went rogue and gave Dolph Ziggler a seven-figure deal without anybody in Anthem knowing. He obviously had approval for all of these things. Right, right, but then what is but, Anthem doing? Like, did they think this was going to be a giant return on investment one month in? No, it, it reads to me like he wanted more. Like, the more wanted more and was telling them, hey, look, we have to... the the the, the this this production isn't going to cut it or i need to we need to be even more competitive with free agents and we need to lose even more money before we can think about making money because you know we're not going to be attractive to television uh to, to television suitors until we have major league production that's the read i have that um he wanted a bigger budget than they already had and and they're just tired of losing the the money that they're losing and right said, all right buddy no. well, what we gave them. you was what we gave you and we're done yeah. now we're not adding here's anymore. what we have and 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 look maybe um you know if 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 you can't work with what we're giving you then you're not the right person for the position and we need to bring someone in here who can find ways to cut corners so we're not losing as much money and i you know i talked to somebody in the company earlier today and you know a lot of this is their own conjecture and opinions from just being in the company and talking to people and 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 so forth but you know there's concern that you know when you when you remove a wrestling person and you bring in a suit there's obvious concerns that okay, uh oh, what's what else is going to get cut? What other budget cuts are coming, right? And that's a legitimate concern. And to me, the question now is, what is this Sacconi going to be? Is he going to be? Is he going to be Kip Fry, and just stay out of the way and let the wrestling people run the wrestling show, or is he going to be Jim Hurd, and is he going to want to stick his beak in and be involved in everything? And if you don't know who Kip Fry and Jim Hurd are, look them up, kids. Okay, uh, get on your little Wikipedia and look up Kip Fry and Jim Hurd, two of the many of the endless string of WCW executives during the 90s that, you know, just couldn't get the ship moving. In the, but two vastly different philosophies. I don't know what this guy's going to be. And the, the other thing is, it's still the same creative team, even though the head of the creative team is now gone. It's the same basic team. I was told that it's essentially um, Tommy Dreamer, R.D. Evans, and Hunter Johnson who are are are, um, are are running this thing from the creative end. Okay, so with Dreamer being the one who seems to be the front runner to take the reins, which has to be scary because Tommy Dreamer is well known as one of the worst bookers in modern right i mean anyone who remembers his ovw run and how bad that was and and they quickly had to remove him i mean tommy dreamer is just um has a reputation for being a terrible creative mind but is this guy going to stay out of the way or is he going to have ideas is he going to be a jim hurd where he wants to do the christmas creatures who have humpbacks who the idea is they can't be pinned which was a real idea that jim hurd once came up with you know, a, a wrestling gimmick where you can't pin them because they have a humpback, or is he going to be someone who's going to stay out of the way and just be concern himself with the budget and, um, you know, and let the wrestling people do wrestling things. But I'm not confident in this creative team at all, because quite honestly, I don't think impact. I don't think TNA, I don't think impacts a good show. And I don't think TNA is booked. Well, I think there's way too many multi-person matches, especially on the pay-per-views. Uh, they leaned into intergender way too hard, and that didn't work. They um, There's just a lot of things you don't like that maybe these were the more initiatives 
that you don't have to worry about anymore, but I don't particularly have faith in anybody else that's left behind to, um, to, yeah, but I guess we'll see. Maybe, maybe things will change drastically because these were directives that were, were coming from him. But, you know, before the last pay-per-view, there were three straight weeks of TV where they didn't even, it was like recap shows. Right, right. Leading up to their, their rebranded, you know, brand new show, uh, with the new TNA or whatever, the TNA Hard to Kill pay-per-view, they just they didn't have shows. They had recap shows. They didn't have actual shows building into the pay-per-view. And then the pay-per-view happened. And it was a, it was an interesting pay-per-view. We talked about it. We had, you know, the return or the, the debut of Nick Nemeth in there. And there was some good stuff that happened throughout the show. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, by and large, I've been really down on TNA over the last year. And there's been, you know, I, I went to Bound for Glory. I enjoyed that. I had a fun time at that show. Uh, mostly Will Ospreay and, and, and Mike Bailey was really what turned that entire show around. And obviously, you know, you don't always have Will Ospreay at your disposal, but when you do, uh, it's pretty good. And they did Will Ospreay versus Josh Alexander. They did some of that stuff. But um, yeah, I've, I've been largely down on it because, like you said, the week to week stories, the creative, the 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 way that people are slotted in, the elevation of certain people, it's just all kind of weird and all kind of junky. And it's just kind of you know, at this point. It's just not a show I think that a fresh I'm going to paint is something. I think it could use a fresh coat of paint from a from a creative standpoint. So that might be a positive of the more being out. The problem is the more was very popular among a lot of the wrestlers who have known him for many years, has been loyal to a lot of the wrestlers. They like Scott the more. So from that standpoint, you know, there's been a lot of reports of of a little bit of unrest on the roster with him being out. Um, that could be by design too. My con- you're trying to you're trying to save some money. Not a bad idea to let. Yeah. The yeah, favorite guy go, true. and maybe a bunch of people show up to your office and say, "Hey, can I get on my contract?" And they say, "Yes, <laughs> yes, you could get out of your contract." Uh, my contact speculated that some people may have only been with TNA because Scott Demore was there, and if there are people who can get offers elsewhere, that they're they'd be more apt to move on now without Scott Demore there. Uh, so you know, there, there, there's a certain loyalty to him from a talent standpoint that you lose. Tommy Dreamer, um. Uh, uh, it was agreed. The person agreed with me that Tommy Dreamer will probably be the most uh, prominent person. That will be the big winner here because Tommy Dreamer is also heads up the talent relations with Gail Kim. So Dreamer is on both ends of this. He's heavily involved in the talent relations and he's heavily involved in the creative. And those things often go hand in hand. I mean, if he's picking the talent, if he's the one bringing people in, and then he's also uh, coming up with a lot of the booking ideas, then obviously Tommy Dreamer is someone who's going to, who has the potential to rise up the ladder here and gain a lot of power. If this Anthony Sacconi guy is going to be hands off and just leave it to the wrestling people, it could be Tommy dreamer that ends up emerging as the big winner. And I don't know. I, I don't have a ton of confidence in that. And, you know, RD Evans is a creative guy, but he's got a lot of wackadoo ideas too. He he's an out there thinker. He's, um, you know, I've seen some of his booking locally, actually, you know, he, he, he was, he booked, uh, a couple of the local indies out here that I used to go to about a decade ago. And again, he's a creative mind and a smart guy, but he's also, you know, he's got some, you know, and here's the thing, you know, it, it's things like the, uh, the undead realm. Like, you know, I don't, it's like, I don't know how much of this, of, of this were things that Scott Demore was, was, was heavily wanting to push that, that maybe will go away now that he's gone. The endless multi-person matches, the inner gender, the undead realm, uh, you know, things like that. Um, the endless gimmick matches. There's always a ton of gimmick matches in in, in, in TNA. Um, so so who knows? It, it, it's it's we have to 
wait and see because it's not a complete cleaning out. It's just they've removed the head, but all of the underlings are still there in terms of the people driving the creative. And so I don't know how much it's going to change. You would think that with someone coming in and everyone understanding that this is a, a budget move and there could be more budget moves coming that people would be on their toes and you might see some drastic changes because people have to justify their jobs now. What are you going to do different than what the last guy was doing? What are we going to present on TV different than when, when, than when the more was here. Right, right, right. And maybe people like dreamer and the people that are, have to come up with some ideas now and say, well, shit, these guys are going to want to see results and that we're going to have to try some different things because what we were doing before obviously wasn't good enough. Uh, or to their standards, so we can't keep... Rep- so so from that standpoint, you'll probably see some changes. How drastic will they be? Um, you know, I, I don't know. That 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 remains to be seen. But uh, I think this is a move that should be seen as concerning for the future of TNA uh, because it's very clearly uh, a, 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 a money-driven move. And those are the scariest ones in pro wrestling when you have a company that's very obviously losing money and someone coming in who's not from the pro wrestling world whose job it is to to lose less money. You know, this could be the start of some, you know, we've seen so many incarnations of TNA and they can move backwards and go, go. We've seen them in the past. Be totally oh, yeah, yeah. Stripped down. Yeah, yeah. This this has been I mean, the run that they've been on since Anthem bought them. Which, you know, I, I, and I talked about it at the beginning of the segment. Like, this company was dead. It was Billy Corgan's going to save this thing or somebody else is going to save this thing. And he tried like hell. He wanted to buy this fucking thing so goddamn bad. And eventually, the Carters just kind of said, now nah, we're, we're, we're good. We're done. We'll sell the Anthem. And Anthem came in. They bought it. And thank God they did because this thing would have probably been done without them. It really would have. I, I, I don't know if Billy could have. Maybe could have. I don't know. But Anthem buys it. Gives them a TV thing. Because, like, if you weren't around for... TNA was 10 years ago. I mean, that used to be a, a running joke on this show. We would come on and you would laugh about your adventures trying to watch TNA that week. And it's on Destination America. Wait, now it's not. Now it's on Pop. The one time it was just a fishing infomercial the entire time. They were supposed to show TNA and then they just didn't. It was just a fishing infomercial. One time it was just like a black screen for you, right? Wasn't it just black? <laughs> it just never happened. Or it went, away, it went yeah. to commercial and then never came back from commercial. Wasn't that the there gimmick? Was a, okay, there was an episode on, on Destination America. or was No, 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 not Destination America. Was it America. Pop, on, Pop um, TV? No, it wasn't Pop TV. It was the the the... the the hunting outdoor channel that Anthem no, that was owns. destination. Wasn't um, that destination or no, 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 no. It was uh, even lower than that. It was the, um, uh, if you pull up Anthem, I'm sure that cause the, the network still exists. Let me see if I can find it. It was the, lo- it was the worst network. Um, pursuit. They were around, like, <laughs> pursuits. Yes. Thank you. Andrew. Pursuit. Rich. It Andrew was pursuit. Rich. Thank it, you. Andrew rich in the note of chat and pursuit. So, I forgot they were on what, pursuit. What, when they were on the pursuit channel, which is like an outdoors channel. And it was just a place for them to park it when they were trying to figure out their next move. This was beneath pop beneath destination America. And they had a really hyped Michael Elgin, rich Swan match, which was getting a lot of buzz. And the match started with 15 minutes left in the show. They went to commercial and they never came back. They, the, the, the commercial which was for a fishing lure, okay, a glow-in-the-dark fishing lure, ran on a loop. 
the same two-minute commercial for the remaining 15 minutes of the show. So it was some kind of production glitch or something, but it was just this commercial for the fishing lore over and over and over, and they never aired the Michael Elgin-Rich Swan match. So that's what happened. That's what the story you're thinking about on the Pursuit channel. And at that time, they were also running on Twitch, which, I mean, geez, you're on the Pursuit channel and you're on Twitch. I mean, it doesn't get much lower. I mean, you basically barely exist at that point. Right, right. So but my point is they're better off now. Different- yeah, they're, they're way better off now than they were then. But of course, it definitely but we can get back there. We can definitely get back yeah, to that point. Well, yeah, absolutely. What I'm saying is they can be running, you know, anyone who's making even a halfway decent livable salary might be released. That's a possibility because they're tired of losing money and they don't seem interested in selling it. And. It doesn't look like a television deal is on the horizon. Who would put that on TV? I mean, I'm not trying to like, you know, but, but put on impact. That's not a major league production. You can't sell that to a legitimate network the way that show looks right now. You can't, you know, and, and it's kind of a catch 22 and maybe Demore's right that they needed to pour more money into that side of it, or they couldn't, there, there was no chance to sell the show. They're kind of in a no man's land. And I, and I get it from both perspective. I get Demore probably saying, Hey, look, we gotta, we gotta up this. If we want this to feel like a, a major league production, that's kind of what they were talking about at the end of last year. We're going to start moving, going to bigger buildings. We're going to bring the TNA back. We're going to get more lighting or, or our production's going to look better. Things are going to look better because as we stand right now, we're just spinning our wheels, not doing anything. We're not going to grow if we're doing the same thing. Cause we haven't grown and we're not growing. So I get to Moore's thing, but I also get Anthem saying, well, yeah, but we don't really want to spend that much money on this thing because we're not we're not getting a return on this thing. We're just going to lose more money. Right. We're, we're, we're spending money. all this yeah. money and we're getting, you know, X amount of that. We've t- we'd go over the numbers of impact sometimes uh, on, on the show. It's not not a lot of people watching impact. So it's like, all right, well, we're going to spend all this. I I don't know if we're going to get a return on this thing. So you know what? No, we're not spending any more money. We're going to run this thing lean. And that that is the worry to me is that how lean does this thing get? That is really the question, and, and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's it, – see, to me, that should be the story here. Is this guy going to come in and continue to lean it out and just try to lose – but but at that point, then what's your plan to start making money? Because if you start cutting stars and you start slashing the roster, you know, whatever little momentum they have coming off a of pay-per-view that was a nice little success by their standards of success – and Demore is very popular not only among the wrestlers, but he seems to be very popular among fans as well. And this is this this move did not come across as a good PR move. It came across as a poor PR move from that standpoint. A lot of people don't understand why this guy was let go. And I've seen so much chatter that like Tony Khan should hire Scott Demore. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Based on what? <laughs> I mean, I'm I guess I'm just not as impressed with where TNA is right now as some other people are. And I guess we talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, and I think a lot of that is the WWE friendly media or rather the anti AEW media, I should say, and some of the hardcore WWE fans who have started to use TNA as part of their anti AEW agenda. You know, this, 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 it's, it, there's, oh, yeah, we it, talked it, a couple like weeks using, ago where they're like, ah, a couple good months and TNA could maybe be the number two promotion in America. <laughs> it's like, get right, out of which here. Is nothing, you? Which is nothing more than a passive aggressive swipe at AEW, is all that is. It's, and if I were a TNA fan, I'd be so like put off and annoyed by that. Like, fuck you. Like, leave us alone. 
we have our little promotion here. We mind our business. Don't use us as a pawn in your silly tribalism war. You know what I mean? Because that's all it is when people do that shit. Because if it isn't, then these people are just very stupid. Because it's not even, you know, where TNA is right now compared to where AEW is right now, it's not even in the same fucking universe isn't even a strong enough word. So it's like a lot of the chatter about how hot TNA is, you have to be careful because I think a lot of it is these people playing the tribalism game and using TNA as kind of a, a, a pawn or, you know, in that sort of larger discussion. But, you know, they they, they are coming off a, a shockingly successful pay-per-view by their standards. And it does come across as a weird move from a PR standpoint to fire the guy now. But as has been reported, this has kind of been in the works for a while. And obviously doing, you know, 10,000 pay-per-view buys or whatever it is they did for their last show, which I think a lot of that was helped by the branding change. And, you know, obviously it's still not good enough to make money. You know, they haven't done, when's the last time they've sold 2000 tickets for a show? Does anyone have, did you have the answer? I, I don't, I couldn't even tell you. Right. Because what they get to, they we, we talked about that one, uh, the one they did recently. Like I said, I can't, I can't look things up on my yeah, computer. Yeah, the show right they just now, had, they sold what? It was like fifteen hundred tickets or something. Somewhere around the there. Biggest yeah. house. And that, let me get the exact number. And that was the biggest house they had done in eight years, or the biggest gate they had done in eight years, and it was under two thousand fans. Let me make sure so people don't yell at us if we were wrong. It was the uh, hard to kill, hard to kill pay per view. Yep. Yeah, sixteen hundred and thirty fans good house and that was their that's their biggest house in eight years that's not sustainable you can't you're gonna you know you're losing money hand over this is what we talked about when we did this topic a few weeks ago yeah this was a nice little house for them and they did some shockingly good pay-per-view buys but they're still a company that's in the shitter they're losing money so this idea that scott Moore is going to come in and and what, what why would tony khan hire him for what to do what exactly Tony caused the booker and he already has a thousand. He already has too many people in the room. Believe me. <laughs> yes. Okay. There's too many people in that room to begin with. What's Scott DeMore going to bring to the table? Is he going to pitch intergender? Is he going to pitch the undead realm? Is he going to pitch doing four multi-person match, you know, on every pay-per-view all the, all, you know, because if, if, if th- that shit was all at minimum green lighted by him, so I don't even think that their creative is all that hot. They belt people up before they're ready, before they're and now look, I know when you're a promotion at TNA's level, you got to take some chances. Right? You have to and see if something works. But they've had so many world champions recently that don't feel like world champions. No disrespect to Alex Shelley. Did he feel like a world champion to you? Not to me. A little bit here and there, but not much. Not not like the guy that's like the tippy top star. A guy. No one's watching that show because yeah, Alex Shelley's the world champion. You know what I mean? They're they're not. No, he's a guy on the roster. He's a nice little wrestler. Let's be honest about Alex Shelley. He's not a world champion. Okay. I don't think they gave Macklin enough rope. No, his push. His, his on- push was. He was definitely a guy that was catching fire and was a new person that that wasn't getting that hadn't been overexposed for years and years and years and they kind of cut him off at the uh right before he got there which which is it kind of sucks yeah and i think josh alexander when he beat christian cage for the title and they did that stupid angle with moose i thought that was a mistake yes 
Yeah, they never they've never really run with Josh Alexander as the top tippy top guy for a long time either. Well, they you know they gave him the title later for like a year, but I think they fucked him up. Well, yeah, well, that I, I, well that's what I mean. Bruce. Like he got the title, but at, when he when he did get the title, he didn't feel like a tippy top guy anymore. When he won that title from Christian Cage, that felt like a big move, and they yeah. immediately undercut him they, immediately with the Moose thing. Ten minute, literally ten minutes later, they undercut him. You know, that's like I, I, as I said, I'm not a. I've never been a fan of their creative. Under this regime, I think it's woeful. It's it's big time overrated. They're creative. They do a lot of dumb shit that I don't like. They have a lot of philosophies I don't agree with. But even outside of my personal taste, just look at their business. So Scott Demore to me is not some hot commodity from a front office or creative standpoint. He just isn't, in my opinion. I I would have no interest in Scott Demore. In, in in running my wrestling company based on what I've seen from his body of work. I don't know. Um, but again, we see if there's drastic changes now with him gone. Maybe he just was more of a, you know, maybe he didn't micromanage his creative team. And maybe these were the ideas of Tommy Dreamer and R.D. Evans and whoever else has a voice in the room. But I guess we'll find out. But, you know, they got Moose as the world champion. He's under long-term contract. Jordan Grace, who you have to think when her deal comes up is going to be a hot commodity and will be exit stage left as soon as she can. That's the impression I get. Oh, after that Royal Rumble, I think there's, yeah, there, there's no doubt that I think WWE would definitely and, see what they have in her for sure. Yeah, and they got people on the roster who were loyal to Demore who are going to be watching very carefully, and if they don't like the way the lay of the land is, they might be out of there as soon as they can be too. I was told that directly from someone in the company, yeah. that that's a definite possibility. So... um yeah, look, I, I don't know. I, I don't know based on what's reported and based on my personal opinions of the company. I'm not as taken back by this move as maybe some other people are. I think it won't hurt to have a fresh outlook, a fresh coat of paint. But the disclaimer is if it comes with other massive budget cuts, they don't have a chance anyway. No, no, no. They, you know, and that's they, I, you, how do you not think that's what's going on here? It seems to be exactly what's that's going on. yeah. I, I, I think more is. was smart enough to know that he needed more money, and they they weren't willing to lose more money. You know, I could honestly see both arguments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they're, they're really in a, they're the, in a catch twenty two. They're in they're in no they're in this very weird spot where it's we got to spend money to make money, and Anthem saying, "Well, we don't want to spend any money," and it's like, "Well, then I guess we're just gonna do whatever this shit is <laughs> that we're doing right now," and and. It's not going anywhere, so you can, you can imagine that the next step would be, okay, well, then let's cut some costs, and then maybe we'll make some money that way. Rarely works, but I get it. I don't know. So that's it. Well, that story, well, obviously, uh, we're not done with that story. That, that will definitely come up, and I, I'll be very curious how, uh, how TNA looks a couple weeks from now, next pay-per-view, that sort of stuff, uh, with the new uh, potential new creative direction going on with TNA. Uh, quickly, let's talk about AEW. Uh, they announced uh, Tony Khan's major announcement this week, uh, which, by the way, if you want a full review of Dynamite this week, that is available on the $5 tier over there at flagshippatreon.com. You do your Thursday Dynamite reviews each and every week, uh, and you have a review of this last week's Dynamite, which was a, a great show, uh, and you've you've officially declared AEW back, feeling restored, wrestling is back. Uh, we won't have to get into too much of what happened on Dynamite. I'm confident enough to say it now. Have you seen enough or no? Um... I think I'm there. I think I'm not ready all the way yet to declare us officially back. I want to see when MJF comes back. That's my worry. Right now it's good because he's gone 
and Cole's kind of gone-ish, I'm a little worried when both those guys are back. Can I at least report yeah. back to you when MJF comes back? I had those same concerns on the show I just did. but Because um, I agree, but, but also there's this looming, you know, large figure looming in the background there that I, I just can't shake just yet. The overall energy and vibes of the promotion feel like we're back to what we all loved about it before last year. Yeah. Oh, even for sure. if not every show, even if not every show lands, does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's not about every show landing. It's not about every show being great. It's about, you, you can, you that's can tell not going to happen. That's it's, not a, it's a vibe thing. Yeah. You could definitely tell when it, it, it it's, 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 it's yeah. the direction that you, me, and a lot of people listening to this want out of this company. It feels Kick like a true wrestling. alternative. It feels different. It feels like a professional wrestling show. Yeah. And the kind of stories we want told. Yeah, and, and like you always say, all the right people are upset about it, and that's how you know it's good. That's how you know it's good. That's absolutely how you know things in AEW were going well. When all of the usual suspects are telling you how bad it is, that's when you know it's good. Historically, go back and look. When those people start telling you that AEW is turning the corner and they're doing well, that's when you should be concerned. All these people who will go, ah, they haven't told a good story since the devil. Those are the people you have to pay attention <laughs> right, to. Right, right. That's the person. Yeah, you follow. They're the ones up. where when they say it's going bad, that's when when they're complaining. You know, that that's when the show's probably been really good. So, and it has been. AEW's been really good. So we got this, uh, as we speculated on last week, and we were right on the money, except for the fact, no pun intended, except for the fact that they didn't name Mercedes Monet directly. They are doing the CM Punk thing, which we shit on when someone suggested that last week. I thought they would just name her. They're not going to do that, but they named her without naming her. So it's they like, have, what's the difference between? Yeah, th- this is as far as you can go without naming her. I figure you should just at this point name her because it's like, we're going to do AW big business from Boston's TD Garden. Here's the graphic. It's purple. It's pink. It's bright blue. There's lasers all over the place. And then just in case you're not quite sure what they're doing with this wink, wink, nudge, nudge, AW big business at Boston's TD Garden and everything's in purple and blue with lasers on the marquee on the graphic it says boston boss b-o-s-s with two money signs instead of the s's just in case you weren't quite yeah. sure what they were hinting at they threw that in there just to let you know it's fucking mercedes I, at this point just say mercedes you know what i mean like at this I point i mean we're walking we're walking the line of copyright infringement that's so obvious right you know, so they essentially named her without naming her. But yeah, we put the clues together last week. I had heard last week that they had a Boston show scheduled. You look at the you look at their schedule. The only date they hadn't announced a, 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 a city for was March 13th. So and then you when you combine that with the reporting from Sean Ross Sapp that Sasha Banks was going to debut in March. Well, OK, then it all made sense. She's from Boston. March 13th is open. That's going to be the Boston date. And that's where they're going to debut her. And the big announcement is probably going to be Tony Khan announcing Sasha Banks for March 13th in Boston. And that's exactly what we got last night, just without officially saying her name. So, which we'll I guess s- makes things a little more exciting yeah. when you turn on the show that But week. we'll see how ticket sales go. Yeah. I mean, if ticket sales get a little, are starting a little slow, do you do you pivot and say, hey, just in case, you don't know, uh, Mercedes Monet. Make it like, a little more obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Well, you know, here's the thing. There's another big-time free agent who has a financial-slash-money-based gimmick. Is there a possibility they both debuted that night? That's very possible, yeah. 
Or if you do have, see, because Tony Khan's very confident right now. You can tell on the way he tweets. What oh, do we always say? We have big, a good feel puffy for this chested guy. man. Is, that chest is so confident right now. And did you see his eyes last night? The eyes. Did you always, look in his eyes? I looked in those eyes. I gazed deeply into those eyes. And he's yes, so confident. He knows he's got shit up his sleeve. I think he knows he has both of them. I really do. And. I don't know if you do both in the same night. Don't you try to pop another rating I do. at some point? Yeah, yeah. I, I, right? I pop another rating, another uh, another date, something for sure. And not take attention from, you know, don't split the attention, you know, from that standpoint either. Um, But, you know, it wouldn't stun me if it's both of them that night. But uh, big business from Boston, five weeks away. And, um, you know, they've got her. And then the follow-up reporting from SAP was that she's been on the payroll since January. So, um, you know, it's very deliberate and careful in how they're going to roll her out. And she must be physically ready because that's been the hang up all the way. Like they didn't want to bring her in and announce her until she was physically ready. Yeah, you had a feeling that this is where she wanted to be because, you know, they they did fly her out to Wembley and show her on camera. And um, the only kind of trip up was, all right, is she does she have a better relationship with Paul Levesque than she did because we know she didn't like Vince McMahon. She walked out on Vince McMahon, right? So it's like, did she have a better relationship with Levesque? That was really the only question. And then Naomi goes back, right? But um, no, she's standing her ground and she's not going back Mm -hmm. apparently for a very long time. So, I mean, good for her. And, And it looks like this decision was made before the lawsuit and all of that. So, you know, that wasn't even a factor. She just she just chose AEW. And, you know, Tony Khan doesn't lose a lot of these. He really doesn't. I mean, he, he's had guys jump. You know, he's had C- Cody jumped. And whatever weirdness happened there. Punk, he had the fire. But he won Punk the first time. He won Will Ospreay. He won Sasha. You know, so and I was told straight up, look, if he if he if he loses on Okada, it's not because he got outbid. Tony Khan will not be outbid for Okada is directly what I was told. From someone who would know and was very confident about that. So. That's the next big and and, and free agents don't get much bigger than that. No, no. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what kind of business she moves here. And and I'm I'm curious to see. But uh yeah, I, I, I'm. I think you and I were a little bit more negative on her. But not necessarily that we think she's like, like you still sign her a hundred times out of a hundred, of course. But you have to sign her, of you course. Have to sign her, of course. Sign her. But yeah, what what level of business is she going to move that she didn't move for we'll New see. Japan? Maybe people see this as a true spot for her, and they didn't quite believe in the New Japan thing. I don't know. Well, we'll I I don't have a very good read on it. I don't know if like the New Japan stuff is truly like what her new what the barometer for her is, or if a lot of people are just going to not even know that she did the new Japan thing and just think that this is her like redate, you know, you know, there, there's probably a large amount of people that, that think that this is the first time that she's back or I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, yeah, there might be some people who were like, look, I'm not going to pay attention. to any of this new Japan stuff. If she comes back to American TV, I'm in. Right, right, right. And that could be it. And she's a proven ratings mover. We know that we'll see. You know, we'll see how these t- the tickets went on sale yesterday, Wednesday. So, you know, we'll track the tickets. And obviously, if they sell out this basketball building, you have to credit her. The way that their ticket sales have been lately, 
and the fact that they're very obviously building this show around her. If we turn around in a week and there's 9,000 tickets out and, it, and it's very obvious they're going to sell out the building by the time the show rolls around, you have to credit her for that. So we find out this is where the rubber meets the road with uh, with money. So, look, they, they, he brought in money. He brought in Deanna Perrazzo. He He's going to have Jamie Hayter coming back from injury. He's going to have Britt Baker back eventually. That's a good division. He, That's starting to be a good division. He might be bringing in Camille. You know, Camille is now a possibility since her thing with WWE fell apart. Um, there's, a, there's a segment of the fan base who's very much into the timeless Tony gimmick. You know, look, the, Serena Deeb is back and they're giving her a push. You know, all of a sudden... That's a very healthy looking women's division that they have. And I was thinking about this the other day. Like, do you miss Jade Cargill at all? No, zero. Like, I'm kind of relieved that she's not there having her four minute matches, right? Like, isn't it a relief that there's pay-per-views and you don't have to worry about them crowbarring Jade Cargill into the pay-per-view to have a shitty four minute match? Like as an AEW fan and someone who enjoys the shows, like, I'm kind of glad she's gone. She felt like, all right, well, we have to put her on these shows and we have to push her because she's like this burgeoning star. But she always dragged the shows down. She just wasn't a good fit for the promotion. And the further removed they are from her, I feel like the better off they are. It just wasn't a good fit. And the better off she is, to be honest. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, and and there's there's I kind of feel the same thing about MJF too. That's like not, you know, I mean, like there's a, a couple yeah, of people yeah. that have left that are not around anymore that feel like a weight has been lifted off the company a little bit, and it does feel yeah, like there's more yeah. spot. And this is why I want people to leave companies all the time. I always say this. It's my favorite thing about wrestling in 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 years past is like people come and people go, and the thing about people leaving is new people can step up in and get in those spots. But if the same people are around forever and ever and ever and ever and never give up spots and are always where they have to be, and you always got to push into a certain level, then you just get the same people over and over and over again, and nobody moves. And sometimes it's good that Jade, you know, you look at Jade and go, all right, not worth the money. All right, go, you know, we lo- we wish you luck <laughs> in your future endeavors. Move on, and 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 yeah, it helps, you know, move up a bunch of new women that can now kind of take over a new part of that division. And, and it has definitely raised the ceiling of, of the women in general in that company. And they've, they've de-emphasized sky blue. She's not wrestling every single week anymore. And, and, and you could oh see my it. God, I mean, we haven't seen her in weeks. It's right. Great. You'd think they realize they finally realized that she wasn't catching on. Or do you think, I mean, she could be hurt. Yeah, she could, it's AEW. Was. You never know. She could be hurt. And we don't just don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They never tell you when people are hurt, but I mean, is it possible they realized, look, we tried this for a fucking year. We've changed your gimmick. We're not getting anything back. <laughs> this is a one-sided relationship. Do you think there's a possibility of that? I mean, because I never noticed that she was any kind of ratings mover. No. Um, she's obviously terrible in the ring. So I don't know. Maybe they've just, maybe that project is over for now. I don't know, but because we haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. complaining. Knock on wood. I mean, no, I agree. I agree. I, I don't. I, I don't think she's hurt because I thought I saw her getting booked at some certain places. I know she's been taking some indie bookings yeah. or whatever. So maybe it's better possible that they just said, "All right, look, we, we're going to try to try something a little different here. We've been uh, pushing you to the moon for the last year and a half, and it's not really going anywhere. So let's try something different." And Joe, I support that idea if that is what indeed 
uh, was happening yes, there. I so, indeed. <laughs> I agree that that is not a bad idea. All right, let's get to a few of these other shows that we wanted to talk about before we uh, uh, sign off here. New Japan coming this weekend with New Beginning in Osaka. Big time show this weekend uh, for New Japan Pro Wrestling. The main event is going to be the 10-man steel cage match. War game style between United Empire and Bullet Club War Dogs. Are you upset with the war game style there? Or are you fine with, with the idea that this has to be war games? It's probably better than just 10 guys in a cage together at the same time, right? I'm all right with it. You know, it's a New Japan cage match. They Have they ever done one? I mean, They've done, I, guess, I think in their history, they've done like two or three cage matches ever. But yeah. it's, it's very rare. So it's very like, rare. I, I don't know what the fuck it's going to look like anyway. I'm open to anything. I, I think that Will uh, Will Ospreay is not going to allow himself to go out without doing having an incredibly crazy. And I think there there might be a big angle in the match because with Will Ospreay leaving, you're going to have to do something with United Empire, and we can see some turns. Um, and I think these guys are all pretty fucking crazy. So I, look, I think the match is it's a very 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 interesting match, and I think it's going to be newsworthy. For, for things other than the quality of it by the end of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you could see definitely guys switching and flopping and turning. It's, it it has the feeling of like a classic old school war games match where you could, tol- you could totally buy TJP turning on the United Empire and join the war dog. You know what I mean? Something like that. Who knows? You know what I mean? Like just something happening for sure. But you could definitely see that. And, and Will's going to go out in, in the best way possible too. Like you said, he's going to go and I'm sure just absolutely kill it in this match. And I'm looking forward to this. I think the build's been great. I think a lot of the, the the matches in the lead up have been great, so really really excited for this match and 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 uh, it's just yeah I feel like it's gonna be just a fucking war and and, and these guys are are gonna be in doing a style of match that's very unfamiliar to New Japan for wrestling. And I think they're gonna understand that too that that they are doing this match that that's just really out there and there's a lot of you know ways that you can do this match and do it well and do it to the best of its ability. So I'm very, very excited to see uh, what these guys come up with. There's too many great wrestlers in this match, too many great people involved for this not to be really, really good. So uh, looking forward to that uh, as well. The semi-main event is Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Just kind of not a whole lot of build here, but you know what? Who fucking cares? It's Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. They'll wrestle. And well, be I great. mean, they had that wild main event at New Year Dash with TMDK on the other side and, and, um, TMDK won that match. It was Danielson, Moxley, Okada, and Ishii, right? I know it's going back a month now. But yeah. That was, the, that was the last time Danielson was there. So. Right, right. And he was paired off with Zack Sabre Jr. in that match. And that was a, I thought that match rocked. That was the main event. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking about how, how much of great Brian Danielson we were robbed of for so many years. When you look at what he's got going on right now, this, this incredible feud with CMLL in AEW and this Hechicero stuff, which has been great while he's concurrently working new Japan and feuding with Zack Sabre jr. I mean, we could have had years and years of this out of this guy. And instead he was playing grab ass in WWE. Now look, some of that stuff was really good. Okay, I, look, he had some really good years there. Oh, he's really good. So of course he he would rise, and we and I and I always brought this up with him that like he's so good that he is going to do WWE sports entertainment style wrestling great too because he can do any style of wrestling great. He can do hardcore. Yeah. He can brawl. He can grapple, and he can do sports entertainment bullshit too because he's cream rises to the top. So of course he was going to make the most of it and and do well. But yeah, it doesn't mean that was the best use of him, and it clearly was not the best use of him. Because man, it's just he's such a. He's so great. And how happy and is he, too? 
How happy when he came out when he came out for that Okada match at the Tokyo Dome, the smile on that guy's face. And I said it right. I said it when we did our reaction show to the Wrestle Kingdom. I was like, this dude it cannot wait to get back to Japan. And he's here a month later and he's going to smile all big and come out here. Got a grapple fest with Zack Sabre Jr. in Osaka and it's going to fucking rock. I can't wait. I think this match is going to be great. Yeah. And it's just we we were robbed of years and years of this. And he's going to pop up in Arena Mexico in a couple weeks and that's going to be incredible. Oh, how great and, was that little promo, too? I don't know if we mentioned that. We mentioned a little bit on, on the Tuesday flagship, but yeah, Moxie saying, like, hey, you're coming to our backyard? Well, yeah, you know what? We might be coming to your backyard. And I was like, fuck yeah. Can you imagine those fucking yeah, dudes just, cracking their necks, just, getting ready to run out at Arena Mexico to do Oh, God, it's going to be great. Yeah, and then this week they got Star Jr. and Esfinge in the mix, and I haven't seen spoilers. Did those guys work Rampage? I have not seen spoilers either. Like, yeah, I have not. I'm gonna watch. I know that. Mystical. I'm a Rampage guy now. I'm a Rampager. I'm, I'm watching it first run. I, I used to like look at the spoilers because I'm like, ah, whatever. I ain't gonna watch Rampage. I'm watching Rampage now, man. I got those on the DVR. I wake up Saturday morning or or if I'm around Friday night, watching Rampage live, man. If if the, if those guys are gonna be on that show, fuck, I'm not reading spoilers anymore. I gotta watch that. Well, thing. I think they did. I think they did Mystical versus Matt Seidel. But I don't know. Like, if the other two guys are here, why wouldn't they not work? So, um, you know, fuck it. Let me pull that up and see if if those guys worked. I could look at the uh, the card and not the. Um, I know they did mystical, mystical in uh, Sidel. All right, here's the rampage from Phoenix. No, it was just uh, they cornered him. Sfinge and Star Jr. cornered Mystico against Matt Seidel on Rampage. But you would think that those guys will be around for the collision show in Henderson, right? Yeah, they're they're booked. Oh, they're They're booked. Awesome. Hell yeah. Okay. They're, they're, They're wrestling Castagnoli and Moxley. Esfinge and Star Jr. versus Castagnoli and Moxley on Collision. So there you go. <laughs> that's the best, man. What other company, How cool is, that? What other company is booking cool is shit that? like that? Nobody. That and Orange Cassidy versus Tomohiro Ishii. <laughs> right, of course, of course. Naturally. So there you go. Yeah, but that my point is Danielson, we've been we were robbed of so many years. And you know. I wasn't afraid to say it and people would call me nuts and I'm like, I'm telling you, it's like we're getting 70% of what we can get with this guy at best. If he wasn't in this dopey company. And as soon as he leaves, he's doing like the best work of his yeah, life. It's fucking incredible work. And he looks happier than ever. And, and yeah, it's... when he's healthy, it's the best work of his life. The problem is he's very brittle. He cannot stay healthy, but when he's been healthy, he's been incredible and just doing such incredible shit. Anyway, let's talk about the rest of the show. Oh, by the way, Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi are possibly wrestling for the final time. Right. And it's fourth from the top, though. It's not the third from the top. No, no, no. IWGP Tag Team Titles, God, <laughs> Fantasma Nicoleo defending against Chase Owens and Kenta gets a little more build, higher building uh, than Tanahashi versus Okada for the last time, potentially. Very likely. Well, my point was going to be we crammed it into the back end of the third hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's the most important rivalry to this show. This show doesn't like exist in this form without no. this rivalry. Mm-mm. And we've crammed this match the last time they may ever wrestle, right? Because Tanahashi might not wrestle much longer. Even if Okada pops into New Japan or comes back to New Japan someday, this could be it. 
the one of the most legendary rivalries in the history of the fucking sport comes to an end in Osaka potentially here. I bet in hindsight they wish they booked Joe Hall, right? I mean, they would have sold the fucker out. Which tells you that they weren't sure he was leaving. Right. It's all been very weird. And and I don't know. It doesn't feel like they've done. I don't know. Do you feel like there's. In Japan, there's a whole lot of interest in this Okada finale thing. It's just. This will be sold out. Um, They're treating him with a lot of respect. They're not asking them to do jobs on the way out, nor should they. I don't believe they should either. Um, I guess that, that Corkin no- match was awesome. Now, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it like was. that match was fucking incredible, and the crowds loved him and stuff. I'm probably letting a little bit of what I'm, you know, other people are saying cloud it. He's going to come out at Osaka, and people are going to go fucking it's shit and go nuts. It's going to be yeah. emotional. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be great. And I had no problem with them retaining the six man titles. I saw some people saying he should have lost to Fujita. Come on, get lost with that. I, I don't I don't agree with that at all. Um, you know, th- you could argue that after Anoki, this is the next guy in the legacy in the history of the company in terms of most important people. You're not going to have him lose the six man open weight never trios titles to someone who was a young boy ten minutes ago. I'm sorry, that's just not how you do things. I don't care how you feel about him leaving. I don't care how you feel about the chatter that maybe he didn't want to work with the younger guys. You you can't have him lose that match to that. You just can't. You, you stop it. So I have, you know, and I think they're treating him with the reverence he deserves. Whether you feel he did the company dirty or not. And I think there's going to be a, an emotional match. And it's just, it's just, man, it's just so bizarre that you know, normally we'd lead with that. It's just the whole, you're right, though. There's just a weirdness around it, too, though. It's still surreal, I think, that he's leaving. Yeah, I think that's maybe it. It doesn't really feel real, is what it is. And we don't know what he's going to do in Sapporo. I think this might be different if this was the last match. But he's got these other two weird final matches coming up. Up in Sapporo, we don't even know what he's doing. Yeah, this may have been the right one to just say, you know what, pal, this is probably the last one to, you and Tanahashi, that's it. Yeah, but... I think maybe it was kind of a deal where, all right, let them, let's have them work all the big cities on the final tour. We'll send right, them right. Let every, we'll let every, let every city have their last chance to see them and, and, and buy a ticket yeah. to see them or whatever. Yeah. You know, have them do Cork and have them do Osaka, have them do Sapporo. The big cities that we have booked for this tour and, and, you know, um, yeah. And then there's a bunch of undercard stuff, but we got some other stuff. Yeah. There, there's about, the, under, so. the rest of the undercards. Doesn't matter. It, it, it's Tanashi Nokata, Danielson and Saber, and the ten man tag war games. That, that those are the three matches you're looking out for. I doubt anybody that listening to this is slapping their hands together, getting excited about the rematch from two weeks ago. Phantasm and Hikuleo versus Chase Owens and Kenta. I, I don't think uh, anybody out there is is, is ready I, for that one. So. God, I mean, <laughs> that's got to follow Tanashi Nokata. Imagine like the emotion dump that's going to happen from that match, and those guys are going to get out of the ring, and then. 2024 Kenta is going to walk out and wrestle it. Yeah, that's not going to be, it's not going to be great, but looks like a hell of a show. I mean, if I could, I would skip that match, but you know, we have to watch it. Right, right. That's a skip. If you're a fan, just a fan, you don't have to watch that shit. 
it's not going to be good. Or if it's good, you know what? If, if you find out it's good, people tell you it's good, you can go back and watch it. But You know the problem with New Japan right now, and I struggle with New I've been catching up on New Japan, and I'm still a little bit behind, but I'll be caught up before Osaka. There's a lot of people in the company I have no interest in watching right now. There's a now. lot of people in the company I have no interest in watching right now. Like, Phantasmo and Hikaleo are the least interesting tag champs they've had ever in my fandom. I mean that. Like, I will take another Gorillas of Destiny, like the, the real Gorillas of Destiny. I'll take another Tangaloa tank, Tamatanga run over this. I mean, I, I just, I have no use for this team. And I am totally out on Hikaleo. I, I, I loathe that I have to watch. Here's another one. I know everyone's raving about this match he just had that I haven't seen yet. I am, I just, Gabe Kidd just has go away heat with me. I know he's a good young wrestler and all. This edgelord thing, I don't know. It's Sometimes a gimmick just rubs you the wrong way. I have no use for Gabe Kidd. I, I don't want to watch his stuff. Same thing with a lot of the War Dogs. I'm just not, I just, I can't get into it. Yeah, when you add in the War Dogs, which I'm not all the way into, but I, I, I think for the purposes of this particular story, I'm into it, but but overall, I'm not that into the War Dogs. I'll be and, into the cage match, but like, yeah. in, you know, like, and then Sonata. Ugh, I was going like, to say most know. of just five guys. I don't care about. I don't care about House of Torture. I'm kind of bored of El Desperado. It, it's a lot of up and down the car where I'm just, yeah, just kind of like I've seen. I've seen right all now. these people for years and years and years and years and years, and and the people that I haven't seen, I'm not that interested in seeing. So yeah, I'm I'm in a weird spot with New Japan as well right now. But this show should hopefully reengage me a There's little bit. There's stuff here to sink your teeth into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get through the rest of this stuff. Uh, let's talk about uh, quickly MLW Super Fight 2024. You want to do Noah? You want to do Noah first? Noah, yeah, then... we're in Japan. Let's do Noah. Let, let's do Noah. So, right. uh, big news out of Noah. That, that makes sense. Uh, main event for this uh, crossover 2024 in Sendai. By the way, 1,104 people in the Sendai Sun Plaza for this one. That's uh, I don't think that's a good number, Joe. 1,104 people for uh, a big show that's at the terrible. Sendai Sun Plaza. <laughs> Not great. Uh, many more people than, will listen to this show. That's <laughs> not good. Yeah, it's less than companies are doing in Cork. Right. And, you know, it's uh, they did the the uh, Canovers, El Hilo del Dr. Wagner Jr. title match, which obviously wasn't a big draw. They did a title change. You know, uh, El Hilo del Dr. Wagner Jr., he just resigned with the company. There was some thought that he might leave. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And... Do you think it's possible this was part of the deal to get him to stick around? I feel like it was. That was going to be my take. Hey, look, we'll this was going to be my take. Was, hey, I'll resign, but uh, can I get a little run with the strap? And they said, sure. Or why maybe not? they offered it to him and said, hey, look, we'll give you a little run here with the top title if you stick around. Because we really like you. You're a breakout guy. You've done good work. Because otherwise, this doesn't make a ton of sense. It, it's, it felt like it came but, out of nowhere. Even, even in the context of the yeah. match itself, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, it, it's. You know, it's uh, it felt like a just a little placeholder title defense for Cano. Get through an upper mid card or move on to whatever feud you're going to get into. And then the fucking guy wins the title, and it's like I like him as a worker. Like I enjoy watching him. Like I, I, you know, but it's the same old story with Noah. It's just they do things that don't seem to make a lot of sense and haven't been built well, and they just kind of like it's shoulder shrug booking. It's like eh, let's try this. Right. And it didn't feel like this guy was properly built up to become the GHC champion. 
It doesn't feel like he's coming into this title reign hot. It doesn't feel like people were clamoring for him to win the title, which means that his title reign is going to get off behind the eight ball right off the start. And he's and he's it gets off. He's it, you know he's uh, he's he's you know battling from behind before he even gets going because no one was ready for this or really wanting this or or uh, and it didn't feel like he was properly built for this. But that's Noah. They had all eyes on them this time last year when Muto was finishing up, and they did nothing to build anyone while everyone was paying attention, while they were putting thousands and thousands of people in these buildings for these big shows with the Muto retirement shows. And they had a chance on the undercards to build new stars or, or get the ball rolling on some people. And they didn't do it. They didn't bother. And we warned everyone what would happen when Muto went away. And it has played out exactly as we thought it would. Here we are a year later. And they're barely putting a thousand people into this Sendai building. And they're doing a title change that just comes out of nowhere for a guy that doesn't feel hot a title change for the sake of doing one. And the more of those you do, the less important your title feels. We all know how that's how it works. So, all right, maybe this guy will have a defense or two, and then he'll lose it to fucking Goshiozaki. Pick a name out of a hat. That's what Noah does. Pick a name out of a hat, and someone will beat this guy. And that won't, you know, and it won't be anyone that was. Pro- hey, the next challenger, Rich, is Jake Lee. So there you go. Just put it right back on. Yeah, Jake right. Lee. Why right. Not? Let's do the Jake Lee thing again. Yeah, Why he not? comes out Let's and the crowd the goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of murmur as, as Jake Lee comes out and it's like, OK, yep, sure. Great. Whatever. And, and even in the context no, of the match, like I said, it was like, you know, Dr. Wagner does like a springboard moonsault. And the announcers are just kind of like, ah, good, you know, great moonsault out of one, two. Oh, all right, <laughs> winner. Yeah, like the crowd had no. It it felt very. I mean, just like the booking did, it felt very out of nowhere that he won this thing. So it's just it's bizarre. And so, I mean, sometimes these work. Sometimes these risky title changes out of nowhere work. This but isn't gonna work. This it's not, not gonna, gonna work. work. Right? That's a, <laughs> I was building up to the idea that like there's no way this is gonna work. Right? It's just gonna be like you said. It's 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 Noah booking. So at some point he's just gonna lose this thing to insert. Go Shiozaki Kano, Jake Lee here, and then it's like oh okay, and then we just move on and life continues with Noah just spinning in his wheel, spinning in the middle of nowhere. The thing was, Kano was having a really good title reign. And I know we haven't been doing a ton of um, Noah early this year on, on the on the show. But I've been watching the matches. And, you know, he beat Jake Lee. And we were ha- we did cover that. And then he had... Did you watch the Manabu Soya match or no? Um, I, I, I didn't... No, no, I did watch years. that one. No, no, I did watch that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah, yeah. He had the great match with Minabu Soya, and then did you see the Goshi Ozaki match from Cork and Hall? Like I a week didn't later? see that one. People said that was really good, and I I didn't see great it. great match. You know, it was a great match. And so from from that standpoint, and by the way, that drew more in Cork and than this match did in Sendai. I'm almost positive. I'm let me make sure that's right because you know how people get. What did Sendai draw? It drew Sendai was one thousand one hundred and four. Let me pull up that Goshi Ozaki match from. That was January 13th, 1139. 1139. So, I mean, fuck, man. They did less than a, than Corrigan in that Sendai building. You know, that that's not the plan when you, you know. But, um, yeah, he, you know, so Kano was having really good matches at minimum. And I got, you know, 1139 is not a bad number for Noah these days in Corrigan. 
you know, I understand it's a GHC title match. But, and I like El Hodio del Doctor. I do. I really do like him. I talked him up all last year. This doesn't feel like it's going to be anything hot. This doesn't feel like you're rocket packing a guy that can catch on. It just, just feels like Noah is just doing shit to do shit like they always do. And when you look at, I watched this whole show, by the way. There's nothing happening. There's no one percolating. They're not setting anything up. Next Jake man Lee up. Is the there's one not who, a next man up other than after Jake not, Lee. No. After Jake Lee, the next guy after Jake Lee is. No. You know, if you're wondering what Kato Kiyomiya is up to, he's still teaming with, with Oiwa, right? They're still do, in the mm-hmm. mid card. And they beat uh, Yoshinori Ogawa and this Yu Owada, who is a young guy worth keeping the eye on. I don't know if you've seen him, he's a rookie. I think I have. Um, yeah, look, look, decent potential from what I saw. Like these guys. How, how with, young is he though? He's twenty three. He's going to okay. He's teaming with. I think he's teaming with Kano in the tag league. So you know they like him, and there's definitely something there. But the, my point here is, Kiyomiya worked mid card, and then did a stare down with Yoshinari Ogawa after the match. Now I don't know if they're going to have a match, or if it was just a little post-match thing that's not going to lead to anything. But just that the fact that I'm not sure whether Kato Kiyomiya is going to have a mid-card feud with Yoshinari Ogawa should tell you what his current status is in the company these days, where I think that might be a possibility. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't know if that stare down was meant to build to something or if it was just two pros, you know, doing what they do after a match. The point is they do nothing with Kiyomiya. At this point, you have to just suspect. Yeah, he's better booked in every other promotion. He's better booked in Dragon Gate and better booked in New Japan than he is in Noah. I mean, barely, but yeah. But you, it has to be at this point that they suspect or that he told them, hey, look, I'm out of here as soon as I can be out of here. Because otherwise, it makes no fucking sense. Because Muto's gone now. So if it was Muto who was all, who had some stick up his ass about the guy, he's not a concern anymore. And he's still just on the fucking hamster wheel. And the thing is, I think Muto did like him. It's just Muto's ego is such that we all know he just doesn't ever want to lose to anybody. Because Muto was going to bring him to America to introduce him to Paul Levesque. Right, to get him a job in, in WWE. But the kid got a concussion or whatever, and he brought, who, who was it, Manabu Soya he brought instead? No, no, it no, it was... Uh... Kitamiya? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kitamiya? Well, yeah. Kitamiya, I think. Ah, they're both short and stocky. Easy to get confused. But, um, so I don't know what the fuck. They, that, my point is, it's just they, there's there's nothing building underneath. It the, the shows feel lifeless. And, you know, the, the back end of this show wasn't that bad. You know, I, I, I'm not, I swear to God, I'm not trying to trick you. Daga had a good match. Oh, Daga had Jimmy O'Hara. It. I don't believe it. I promise it. you. I promise you it was a good match. Hajime O'Hara, who's been in witness protection too. But they had him in a title match here. And I, I believe me, my expectations weren't high with Daga. The jaggiest jag that ever jagged. But I enjoyed it. And the tag match was really good. It may have been even better than the main event. You know, with um, the good looking guys over Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf. Jack Morris and Anthony Green. That, you know, neck and neck to me. The main event dragged a little, I thought. But did you see the main event? 
Uh, uh, the Noah match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what you want. Okay, so you saw right. Yeah, I, I, I just saw the main event. And, yeah, it, it wasn't. That's what um, I mean. Like it, it's it's happening and it's happening, and you're like, ah, right, yeah, this is this is all right. Yeah, okay. And then Wagner goes to the top, does that springboard moonsault, and the announcers are kind of like, ah, oh, good moonsault out of Wagner. One, two, three. All right. <laughs> you're like, what was that? Just a GHC? And the announcers are surprised, and the it, it's just it, the match did not feel like it was. Building to that moment, you know what I mean. It didn't feel like you were about to, you know, that. Oh my God, something, something big's happening here. It really totally fell out of nowhere. And yeah, the match itself just didn't. I don't know. It was, it was, it wasn't bad, but it just, it did not have a lot of juice. There was just not much going on with it. Sleepy is a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it was a good match by the end, I thought, but it wasn't a great match, and it was easily the quote unquote worst of the Cano title matches, I thought. Um. But yeah, the tag match was pretty good. But yeah, it's just a lifeless promotion. They don't, it's poorly booked. Um, you, you don't have Muto to blame anymore. Like it was easy to blame Muto when he was around for getting in the way of the booking. And you have to do what Muto says because he's Muto and all of that. The guy's been gone a year. And this promotion has just felt so rudderless. And all Japan blew right by him with a fraction of the budget in terms of drawing. And, um, yeah, it's funny. It's like this big budget promotion with all this great production and it's just the shows are, are, are dry as hell and there's no there's nobody there. There's nobody there. There's no one there. And yeah, it's, it's just, just uh, they're wrestling in an abyss of darkness because the, the, the arena always looks really good. Like the setup's always really good. Man, the, the amount of money they must pay and spend to get these like giant elaborate sets and the cameras look great and everything looks good and sounds good. And then you look and they're just wrestling in this giant dark abyss. And it's like, man, I don't know. Like I said, there it's will a, be significantly more people that listen to this show. They'll listen to us right now talking okay. than we're at this show. Many times over than the 1,104 people that were at the Sendai Sun Plaza. That, that's not good. And I'll tell you, the budget for uh, us to run this show, a lot cheaper than the budget to run Noah Crossover 2024 in Sendai. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't know, man. And it looks like Cyberfight. I, I mean, I think Cyberfight's in a little bit of cost-cutting mode themselves. I don't know if you saw the thing about Genbari Pro or whatever. You know, kind of breaking oh, yeah, away yeah, a, yeah. a bit. So, you know, similar. I think all these wrestling companies are kind of looking at this and going, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's shame. I mean, I, I wish Noah had more juice. Historically, it's one of my favorite companies, as people know. Or maybe they don't know because it's been so long since I've really gotten into the old green ring. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, look, we knew it was coming. Tried to tell people too. We saw the train wreck coming and said, "No, turn, saw it coming. turn, <laughs> no, you don't have to do this." And they did it. Yeah, and people it, told yeah. us, "No, saw it's good. It. It'll be good." And we're like, "All right." I mean, I've, all the history says that this is what's going to happen. But sure, you know more than we do. That's fine. And then guess what happened? Exactly what we said was going to happen. So, ML Dub. Let's talk about ML Dub Super Fight. Uh, by the way, I do want to mention we did. Uh, we talked about a little bit that we were going to mention this on the Tuesday bonus flagship, and then maybe we were going to punt it to this show. It's a story that's not going to go away, so I do want to talk about it at some week. But it's the the new sports streaming thing with Warner, Disney, and ESPN. Or uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in, in a certain show because that has ramifications, I think, throughout. But that's that's a story that's not going away. So if people are saying, "Oh, you said you were going to talk about it on Tuesday," and then you said maybe on Thursday. We're not going to get to it today, but we will get to it at some point. But it's a big story, but it's not going away. So we have we have plenty of time to do that. But this is the only week we can cover MLW Superfight 2024. And, Joe, I, uh, I hate to admit I did not watch a second of MLW Superfight 2024. I had plans on doing it, but this fucking WWE press event 
threw off my entire day, threw off my entire afternoon. I was ready to come home and watch the MLW Super Fight, and then I was watching this stupid thing, so I didn't see a single match. So I can I can lead you through the show if you want, or if you want to do a quick recap, whatever is best for you. No, I, I, I'm not going to go de- huge detail. Look, what you missed was Satoshi Kojima shocking everyone, including every person in the building, and winning the MLW Heavyweight. I am so, blown away that he beat Alex Kane. I'm blown well, away. So was everyone in the building because he hit that Western Lariat, okay? And it was a pretty good match. I'd say maybe three and a half or somewhere in that range. And it it didn't overstay its welcome either. I felt like it was like, how long was that fucking match? Tell me how long. Uh, 11 minutes minutes and and 23 seconds. I guess I could have watched it. I thought it was going to be longer than that. Shit. If it was only 11 minutes, I have no excuse. What did I not watch that for? He hit that Western Lariat. And... I can promise you that no one in that building knew that that was his finish because it got no reaction. And I'm like, and while the ref's counting, I'm like, oh my God, he's going to win. You know? And it's like, he fucking won because no one kicks out of the Western Larry. No, no, it's the strongest arm, man. You can't kick out of that shit. And then when the ref counted three, it was like everyone was, you saw fans putting their hands on their head and looking at each other because they couldn't believe that Alex came lost to Kojima. And I feel like a lot of them weren't familiar with his finish because he hit that Western Lariat. They all should have really known what was coming and stood up and been ready. And, and he fucking won that title. And um, yeah, and then Yuji Nagata came out with double fisted with two beers and Okamura corner was, was the corner man because they had the CMLO guys in. So Okamura was there and uh, he was the corner man. And, you know, Nagata came out with the beers and and Kojima gave a speech and. He was like, uh, I am sorry, my English shit, but, you know, and everyone's <laughs> laughing and he's like, but I enjoy beer and I enjoy bread, you know, and yeah. he's fucking chugging beer and he's, <laughs> right. you know, and I noticed that Okamura, now Nagata, he likes his beer. Trust me on that. Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, that dude, that every time he wins a match, he, the first thing he gets is a beer. Yeah. When, when that man was the triple crown champion, he put down a couple of, uh, lot of beers in those post-match pressers, uh, when he was triple crown champion, uh, all Japan. I feel like Okamura is a teetotaler. He was toasting, but he wouldn't take a sip. Oh, I was paying man. attention to that. I was paying attention to that. He wasn't, you know, he was a big smile on his face, but he wouldn't drink the beer. But um, yeah, they were into it once the shock wore off that he won the title. And his first defense is Minoru Suzuki on the next big show. They announced that match beforehand, before he won the title, and then he won the title, and now that's a title match. So. I mean, it was a shocking title change. I didn't expect Alex Kane to lose to Kojima, you know, and they fucking did it. So two-time MLW world champion, Satoshi Kojima. He was a champ back in 2003 or whatever the fuck it was. So Yeah, the original. Yeah, uh, the original MLW. So uh, great. Had, cool. They had Mystico versus Averno. Um, you're going to be shocked, but it was an MLW match that wasn't as good as it looked on paper. Yep. That these two but, men could have a match better in most other countries and probably yeah. be really good, and then here it wasn't. It, it was good though. It was good enough, and Averno works hard, and and he's part of Selena De La Renta's heel crew and all that. And Mystico was cornered by Cesar Duran, you know El Jefe, who because they still had that promo that that fucking Azteca fucking warfare. Sh- the yeah, Lucha can, Underground can drop that, that shit. Nobody cares about that. Move on. They can't call it Lucha Underground, so they call it promo Azteca or whatever the fuck they call it. And well, Rich, if you want them to drop that, I have other news for you. Contra is back. Oh, 
No. And, uh, <laughs> no. Why? Yes. Who asked not for only Contra? That, but... Who asked for Contra? Well, I, not only is Contra back, but Mads Kruger is back. Oh, so. No. <laughs> God. <laughs> so. <laughs> I thought we were done with that fucking guy. Mads Kruger? uh, Mads Kruger, I swear to God, he came out on this show. Um, Look, so you've got Mr. St. Laurent and his World Titan Federation. That's still going on. You've got Contra back with Mads Kruger. You've got Cesar Duran with the wannabe Lucha Underground shit. And you've got Selena De La Renta with Jose Rodriguez and all those guys doing their little heel group too. You have mm-hmm. these, and you have the Sammy Callahan thing. I got and I don't the Sammy Callahan. Yes, right, <sighs> right. With the guys with the gas masks and shit. Yeah. So, but listen, Satoshi Kojima is the world champ. So uh, you know what? I'm down. Bad. I'm down. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? So uh, Jacob Fatu beat Yuji Nagata, and then he is now officially a free agent. So. Um, they did send him out with a win, but we see what happens now. He's got the the criminal record, and you know, a little shady. Um, Bobby Fish is coming in for the next show, at least. I don't know if like full time or anything like that, but so Jacob Fatu in, Bobby Fish out. Um, I've got a couple contract season things that I could hit real quick too when we're done with this. But Davy Boy Smith Jr. beat Manders in a very bloody match. And he was like licking the blood off of his head. It was disgusting. The show actually wasn't that bad, but he has now hit the point in his career where he's wrestling in jeans with the work boots. Like, oh, his so dad he's like his, his dad. dad. Oh no, that's not good. Cause uh, his dad died like two years after that. So I don't love that. And by the way, in a few months, he'll be the same age as dad was when his dad died. Can you uh, that? I guess in I, a few yeah, months. I can't believe that actually. I've been watching David Smith Jr. for a very long time. Yeah, that's right. He will turn 39 in a few months, and his dad died at 39. And he's now wrestling in the jeans with the work boots and the white socks, like, rolled up under the, like, the same look Mm. that his dad had. I don't know if that's intentional, but he's doing, like, a, uh, he's with Mr. St. Laurent with the World Titan Federation, and he's doing, like, a bloodthirsty brawler kind of gimmick now, and he... He beat Manders pretty definitively. And like I said, he was licking his blood. And it was really like a different kind of Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, you know, and then they did a death match later with Callahan and Akira. That feud's been going on. I can't and, believe Akira um, lost again. Did, did it? Because they have beaten that guy a lot. I think it's time he gets a win, right? I mean, I don't know. I see Callahan just got there. So maybe. I guess that's my point. I, mean, is I, I wouldn't have brought in Sammy Callahan, but I guess, yeah, if you're right, if you just bring in Sammy Callahan, you, you need him to at least get a win right away. But, yeah, I feel like it's time for Akira to maybe get a couple W's, but whatever. And then Rocky Romero, that was the opener. He beat Ichiban. Two out of three falls. It was fine. I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't like Ichiban. I know. I think you like him better. Uh, I think he's okay. You hate him. I think he's okay. I don't. Some I people think he's nothing. good. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's good, for the record. I, I just, yeah. I don't know. A super I, fight wasn't bad. I got to be honest. It was, um, you know, a, a wholly watchable show. I thought the main event was pretty good. And, I, you know, obviously I'm a huge Kojima fan, so um, I have no problem with him winning the title. Now, uh, Intimidation Games is back. They're going to New York. That's 
that's Kojima Minoru Suzuki, and they're doing Rocky Romero versus Mystico for the for the middle uh, MLW middleweight title. So um, they will have a match two thirds as good as it would be in Arena Mexico on that show, <laughs> without question. Then they're in St. Petersburg for War Chamber, and then they're coming with to to Cicero in uh, in May. Okay. But but oh, what it's an Azteca it's Azteca lucha. It's okay, the, well you know I, it makes sense in, in, in that market. In Cicero, that's in Cicero, that's not a bad spot to do that. I'll, I'll probably go to that show. That actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, like you would rather probably just see a regular show, but for the market, they're doing the right. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, they're they're definitely doing the right thing there is the point here so mlw chugs along and uh the swink uh, is saying that raven also came back after the sammy cal and akira he match. did I, for, I forgot about that yes raven did just what i wanted that. in 2024 yeah. scott levy i'm so glad great yeah well he's been in and out of mlw it's not like he's i just don't know, i don't need scott levy at all in 2024 i'm good oh the other thing is no match striker which was notable oh my god after okay he, yeah they had uh it was dombrowski with uh christian cole I'm not familiar so, with Christian Cole. Yeah, I'm not familiar. He was fine. It just, you know, anything's better than Stryker. But after Stryker, you know, had that riddle diatribe, they may have cut bait with him. I don't I don't know. But um anyway, a few contract season notes that I didn't get to last week. Hiromu Takahashi and Yoshihashi re-signed with New Japan. That was official. You know, this one we didn't get to last month, but Kevin Knight was one of the dojo boys who did leave. Remember, a lot of them were teasing that their contracts were up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we forgot to bring it up, but Kevin Knight is out. So he's no longer with New Japan. Okay. So um, Mustafa Ali announced a strategic alliance <sighs> with TNA and New Japan. So read into that however you would like. I don't know what. I guess he's just that just means he's gonna take freelance dates with those two companies moving forward. Um talked about Camille, WWE talks have stalled. Looks like AEW potentially. We talked about Bobby Fish. I don't know if he's signed, but he's definitely working the next set of shows. Yeah, I thought they that said something about appearances. Like he's he's agreed to a number of appearances or whatever. So I don't know if it's a full sign sign. It's MLW too. Sounds like he's not. not because right. if he was signed, it would say he's signed. So my guess is he's working the New York shots and then they go from there. Um, Jacob Fatu is officially a free agent, mm-hmm. and here's one for you. Here's a little exclusive, not a not a, not a huge one, um, but someone from your neck of the woods, Stephen Wolf. Yeah, going to Rev Pro. Interesting. Going to Rev Pro. They, Interesting. Yeah, they booked them for now. He's um, been he's been doing a lot of Texas stuff because I believe his uh, his lady yes. is Texas based. So he, I he don't moved know. To Texas. I think, he, yeah, he full time moved to Texas, right? But but she's also high on, by the way, is who who lady is. If you did not know, yes. and she's done a lot of Rev Pro shots as well. So it's kind of interesting that they're now bringing mm-hmm. him over there. So that makes sense. That's a good spot for him. That's a really really good spot for him. He's really he's a lot better than people think. Or or if people haven't seen him in a couple of years, he's pretty damn good. So so that's a good spot for him. So high stakes is on the 18th. That's Osprey Oku. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's Osprey's farewell for now or whatever. It's not that show. I'm almost positive it's going to be the 25th. The live in Sheffield is where um, Stephen Wolf is going to make his debut. So um, if they haven't announced that yet, and I don't think they have, they might be waiting for high stakes to start announcing stuff for Sheffield. That might be what it is. We should probably talk about high stakes next week. And um, there is a lot of buzz around the um, Trent seven, 
what match was it? It was uh, Connor Mills and Trent Seven. People are saying it was incredible. So that was from the fourth live in London. So I'm going to have to catch up with that match at some point. But um, we'll get RevPro back in the mix next week. I'm going to catch up on RevPro. We're going to preview high stakes because that's a big show. Absolutely. With, with Osprey Oku. Um, we'll do that next week. Shingo Gabe Kidd is on that show. Luke Jacobs, JJ Gale. It's time to get back to RevPro. Yeah, it's time to dust off RevPro and get back in. We've had so much, we've been so busy with everything else, but next week we'll get back in the mix. But the 25th, I'm almost positive that's where Wolf is going to debut. Um, but yeah, he's been down here in Texas doing really good work. And um, you, you, I, that's probably, you probably nailed the connection. They'll probably both be on that show. Yeah, cause so. she's done, she's done quite a few rep pro spots. Um, for, for, I think uh, so, right? for a while. Yeah, I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive she's done rep pro. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. All last year, she worked a ton of rip pro. Okay. So, yeah, I was right. I, I remember seeing her matches with uh, Alex Windsor and stuff like that. So, that, she had and, that feud with Alex Windsor. Yeah, yeah. Last summer. Right. 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 So, um, and she was in the um, the cop uh, the copper box the the fucking Mickey James uh, hardcore country. Match. Oh God damn it! You're right. <laughs> right. I, I've Let tried to sure. I've tried to get rid of that uh, out of my brain forever. So yeah, I don't know what's going on. Well, yeah. Okay. There it is. The hardcore country match was Alex Windsor, High End, and Mickey James. So, uh, copper box weekend of all out, all in, all in, all in Wembley. All out was in Chicago. But uh, one, one less big time show. That's a bit, yeah. One less thing. Something else. I got one more thing. Then we'll leave. Uh, I'm going to Dreamwave uh, this uh, Saturday. Hell of a card. Uh, for Dreamwave here. The aforementioned Stephen Wolf will be on that show, so maybe I can ask him uh, what's going on here if I get a chance to uh, run into him. But, uh, yeah, it looks like a hell of a show. You got Vic Capri versus Jay Fowler. Yes, Vic Capri still hanging around, still wrestling. Man's retired like nine times, can't let it go. Still looks like a million bucks, can still outwork everybody, like most of the people that wrestle in the world. Uh, Vic Capri could still do that, so that's uh, interesting there. Uh, Mike Bennett and the Hype versus Those Damn Coyotes. That's more of a local uh, uh, crew, if you don't know about that. But uh, it has one of my favorite dumb jock wrestler uh, potential guys, uh, Hunter Holcraft. I've talked about him before. He comes out in you know wrestling gear and amateur wrestling gear. Uh, he's he's going to be teaming with Mike, uh, Mike Bennett there. Uh, the Boom, Cole Cabana's Boom Boom Invitational Scramble, who the hell knows, uh, is going to show up there. J-Rod versus Sawyer Wreck. Well, they're not all winners. Uh, Alex Shelley versus Stephen Wolf. That'll be a pretty good match there. Excited about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zeta Steel versus Rebecca J. Scott. So just a few of the, the women's matches there. Wasted Youth versus Bang and Matthews. That's another crew that if a uh, little bit more local guys. Uh, Penta, Vikingo, Gringo Loco, and Mustafa Ali. Four-way match. Should be... Pretty wild. That's wacky. That's and wacky. then your main event is Christian Rose versus Josh Alexander. Yes, Christian Rose still hanging around. Still great. He's the De- uh, Dreamwave champion. He'll be facing Josh Alexander in the main event. All right. So I'll have something on the Patreon uh, for that. Probably not audio. Probably a written thing. We'll see what happens. But I always, anytime I go to an indie show, I like to at least come back with some sort of live event uh, thoughts or, or something like that. So you'll get something on the Patreon. Uh, flagshippatreon.com talking about that show. So look forward to that. 
on Saturday. So that is uh, that is it for us. We are done here. Bonus flagship again. If you want to listen to us break down uh, the Cody, how great WWE is doing with the WrestleMania plan uh, that happened two days ago. Uh, many things have changed since then. Uh, we also talked about Rossi uh, Ogawa uh, leaving Stardom. So if you you're like, hey, they didn't talk about that. We did. We did talk about that on Tuesday. Uh, that is available there at flagshippatreon.com as well as the Thursday Dynamite review that you do every single week. Uh, some bonus retro audio as well. I got a brand new series on the history and the career of Sting. Uh, as he's winding things down here in March, I got my Brett versus Owen series. I'm still doing written content, live stuff, instant reactions. All that stuff is available over there at flagshippatreon.com. So make sure you subscribe to that flagshippatreon.com again or patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, however you want to get there. But uh, yeah, I think that's it. Voices of wrestling.com for previews, reviews, columns, and uh, we're out of here. So that is Joe. I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time on the flagship podcast. Take care. Hola, hola, my name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, Go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.